Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 29th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. What's happening? And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Welcome back, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm alive. You are alive. After your sojourn last week, you are back. And you're going to tell us your thoughts about Ant-Man in a, a little bit. Uh-huh. Little, I saw that movie. You did. A little bit. We're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, this is the 196th episode. Oh, oh, getting close. Of the Talking yeah. Comics podcast. Um, holy moly. Holy moly, indeed. Uh, 200th episode, we're going to record uh, live on September 5th, Labor Day weekend. That'll be a Saturday. So it's real close to my birthday. It is. It's, uh, it's funny that it's that the, the the 200th is somehow very close to your birthday, just like the 100th was. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I think it's a couple. It's but I think it's a little bit earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we sh- we are. I think we're like four weeks different or something, or three weeks different, or whatever. Yeah. It's a couple. It's a couple weeks off. Yeah. You were literally at your birthday party on the, the last time. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I'm like calling from the stairwell. Yeah. Hey. It was a lovely echo effect. It's good times on my phone. Yeah, and it, it led to me l- looking at the speaker like it was you as you talked <laughs> to Aww. engage you. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting stuff. So, yeah, so that's coming up. We, we're almost at 200, which is, which is crazy. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have our book of the week, uh, which Bob chose after he, he spent a week trying to figure out what book he was going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Or because Stephanie wasn't here, Bob had to pick on the fly. What book were you going to talk about? <laughs> I hope it is something that would have met your approval doing it. I think it's like the exact book you probably would have chosen. Yeah, okay. Totally. <laughs> uh, Power Up, number one from Boom Studios, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Of course, we have our regular books of the week and we have our, our lightning round. Um, I, I did want to talk about something, and not really uh, any preparation needed for this, but there's been a... I didn't really read many of the articles because I think it's a ridiculous conversation that's happening right now. But this whole there have been there were polls and all these articles about like writer versus artist in in, in the comic book world um, made big waves over the last uh, last week or so. What the hell have I been? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I just for, for me personally, I think it's a, a ridiculous conversation to even be having. I mean, a if you like writing more than you like art, that's totally fine. And if you like art more than you like writing, also totally fine. A comic book wouldn't exist without either of them. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's a weird conversation to have where, where you're asking people what do they prefer or, you know, and, and creating almost this like versus mentality b- b- between the, the, the two parties, which I think is very bizarre thing to do. 
This goes back a long way. Can you hear me, by the way? I yeah, can't yeah, hear I, myself. Yeah, okay. yeah, I can't hear right, myself. So right. You're fine. And I think it's really dumb because, like, if you like writing and not the art, go read a novel. Exactly. <laughs> or buy a poster book if you like it the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't have one without the other. This is comics. I know. It's really ridiculous. Yeah, this isn't Coke versus Pepsi where there's actually a clear <laughs> division or something. This is... But when when the image guys started, there was a very famous debate eventually at, at Philly, uh, the Philly Con, between Peter David and Todd McFarlane. Because uh, Peter, I think, was on about, well, Todd's saying, well, we don't really need writers. We're artists, and we can tell the stories anyway. And then their books started to get delayed, and it was, we're growing roses. <laughs> and Peter took some offense to that, and they had a one of those you know debates for charity, I guess it was, went to come up with Legal Defense Fund or something. And, you know... Accepted wisdom is that Mr. McFarlane got his clock cleaned, <laughs> which we'd expect for a guy who makes a living with words. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. There are times I followed writers through bad art that I've mm-hmm. then gotten used to, and it's okay. The story's so good, it translates beyond what the art isn't showing anymore because the words are so strong. Pretty art without a great story eventually it pales. Mm-hmm. You just I mean, can't it, keep looking at nothing but the art without something underlying and driving a story forward. Yeah, but I think it depends like on on your on what you're into. You know, I think that uh, you know being focused on uh, narrative, obviously, yes. I mean, for me, the writer is the first thing I look at on a book, and the first thing that I will I will follow from book to book uh, because I agree with you. For me, you know, it, it's much more about the text and isn't about the art. I mean, I love beautiful art, but that's what I usually follow through. But there is something to be said for telling a good story through art, you know, and maybe the the storytelling in the art is, is better than the storytelling on the page as far as words go. And I think that this happens, um, untangibly to people sometimes to all of us, because I think that we're all much better at criticizing writers than we are criticizing artists, right? I think we understand the function of writing more than we understand the function of, of drawing and, and creating, most of us anyway, who, who talk about this stuff. I, I'm not speaking for everybody. but So it's easier to me, for me to break down a plot than it is for me to break down visual storytelling. I, when I see bad visual storytelling, I can tell that, but it's tough for me sometimes to put a, a, a finger on why it's better and why it's worse. Well, especially with radio. I mean, you're you're making you have to describe the comparisons. You have to, if you want people to know what something looks like, when you run out of descriptive words, you then have to make comparisons to others, mm-hmm. and then you skew that vision because they can't actually see the art you're talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I mean, there are you know art theory terms you can speak of, right? Yeah. About, about just like there's writing theory terms because it's not like you're repeating. I'm not I'm not reading the the book out to people on on the, on the radio to explain why I like the words, right? I'm <laughs> I'm talking about how they made me feel and all that stuff. So there is a way to do it. Uh, it's something that I think that um, a lot of critics of the media can probably improve on. Definitely, m- me me included. I think uh, there's stuff to be t- stuff to talk about there. Um, so that's my, you know, we look at something like, like Saga, right? Which is one of the few books I think out there where even though the writing is excellent, people talk more about the art than they do about the writing in, in, in that book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because her visual storytelling is so good that people notice it without really realizing they notice it. <laughs> it's like when people watch a movie and they say, wow, that was, I was really excited by that scene. They don't necessarily know why. They don't know the ins and outs of how shots were edited together, how angles were chosen, but they know this scene was exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's tough sometimes to break down that stuff if you're not someone who participates in it. Because it's so much, it's, it's easy to be someone who 
writes. It's not easy to write well, but it's easy to be someone who says like, who can you can understand that stuff. You can pick up a pen and just do it. It's it's it takes a lot more skill to learn how to you know create visual images even at a base level. Even to do it yeah. even to do it badly in any sort of functional way, <laughs> you have to have a lot of practice in in doing it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it was a weird like debate thing to me to see come up. I don't even. I, I saw like one hashtag floating <laughs> around today from Gail Simone, but I didn't get to read it. Mm. So what is the question, or what is the debate? There was no really debate. It was just it was just the thing they put up this. There were a couple articles and a couple of. Um, uh, there was one website wrote a poll that's like you know would you prefer writers or artists and it circulated a lot around and and it got a lot of play everywhere and there's been a lot of issues with Matt Fraction wrote a very nice blog post the past week about creator credit and and how his books get made and how when you say it's a book by Matt Fraction you know you're you're leaving out all these other team members you know artists and letterers and colorers and editors and all these people that it's not just me like a, a bunch of people behind me that, that do this stuff um, and there's been general sense i think of there's a lot there's some websites podcasts etc that mm-hmm. when they talk about a book they, w- they don't talk about the artist they'll just talk about the writer and i'm sure we're guilty of that too in yes, the past, yes absolutely but, I mean, it's it is sort of a thing that like Right now, we're obviously talking about it and addressing it, and it seems so ridiculous. But every now and again, you just kind of shut your brain off, and then you kind of unintentionally shun so many people that work on these books. Like, if you think about it, you know, comics back in the day, they're beautiful, and the art is amazing, but the color is shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, mm-hmm. you look at the books now, and you look at stuff like that Jordi Belair is doing – and you're like, how did comic books exist without Jordy? <laughs> you know? And I think we take that for granted because, like, a lot of the new generation, we've always had, for the most part, great colorists and uh, great artists on these books, with exceptions, obviously. Mm. And then you look back at the old stuff and you're just like, oh, like, Bob, you've grown up with, like, the evolution of mm. it. You know, you've gone from you loved the medium right off the bat and it's been with you like always. Like, how does the colorists um, and, you know, their kind of evolution into being what they are now and being on the cover? How does that feel to you? Well, here's the deal. You, we had terrible paper. It was <laughs> newspaper, literally, you know, folded over again. And the color palette was very, very limited. And so the, the subtle hues that, that make a difference, every person's skin color looked exactly the same within each race. Mm-hmm. It was all the same. There were three or four different blues <laughs> and, you know, a couple of different kind of reds, but it was all that sort of stuff. There were no full bleeds. It was all within the little grid. Once we got to better paper, it went to the slick paper into the 80s, and then as technology improved, there's, I still love a hand-lettered book. Mm-hmm. And some of them look spectacular, but so many things are available now that weren't there in that technology, too. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are light years ahead of where we were. My real, it's not a shame, really, because it was, it was what it was. People like Gutenberg printed by hand on, mm-hmm. a, on a press. What would Jack Kirby or Will Eisner or the John Buscema's art would have looked like with today's colors? Mm-hmm. Even with Jordi Belair on a John Buscema Avengers issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what would that look like? Or Laura Allred with Kirby's Galactus. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun to look at now. I do look back regretfully here and there. They just didn't have it. And honestly, until 
I mean, EC had some credits until Stan put credits on the book in the 60s. You didn't know who did anything. Right. Which yeah. is now we make sure we do. And we are guilty here and there of leaving out people. We, mm-hmm. we're, I, I think on our books of the week, we're very good at naming everybody. Yes. I will, I will yeah. give, I'm giving us yeah. a pass on Lightning Round because we have a certain amount of time right. to get yeah. through it all. But we used to be much worse about it. And Absolutely. We, we do, I, and I think we've made a, a conscious effort to be better uh, about it. And, and I'm not saying it's like a, a great sin to omit someone's name, but it's important, I think, to recognize. I mean, at the very least, you got to recognize the penciler and the and and the writer. You can't can't skip over those two mm-hmm. people. You should, you know, if the colors are great, you you should talk about the colors. You know, I don't. The thing about lettering to me is, I think that it's when it's great, it's sort of invisible. You, you know, and you only notice it when something is bad about it, when it, when it's messy. Uh, and and I think that that's kind of the curse of that, you know, of, of that is that you can't tell when unless it's. I never look at the book and go, this is a great lettering job. You know, because it, 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 you shouldn't be able to see it. You should, it should be invisible. You should, they should, uh, it should sometimes be like part of it. I think certain lettering can set a mood. The Archie Horror books, mm-hmm. lettering on certain characters, mm-hmm. even the book we, our book of the week right. this week, yeah. has some really interesting lettering effects on one of the characters mm-hmm. that can help tell the story in an odd sort of way. Yeah. My problem as an older fella is when they do these purple balloons with sort of yellow lettering <laughs> in weird little fonts, it's, uh, <laughs> some of us need a magnifying glass. <laughs> And that's not even to speak to the you know the the role of the the inker as as well as obviously huge you know, but it's tough without seeing original pencils than the inks yeah. to 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 really know what comes in and what comes what yeah. not because I'm sure that there are there are inkers who do less and inkers who do more so it's t- it's tough to to tell I mean I know that uh, like Jim Lee will only work with Scott Williams he won't work that's his his inker always and that's obvious because they, they obviously work well together and, and there's something about them that complements each other mm-hmm. and then it, for i guess it's it's from fantastic for 44 to i think into burns era so and then after he left joe sinnett inked every issue of fantastic four no matter who was the artist sinnett inked it so the books always had a certain consistency mm-hmm. no matter what who was doing it they were tightened up to such a point that they looked like the art that preceded it mm-hmm. i my real mystery with comic books, editors do so many different things with mm-hmm. so many different writers. It is such a different process. I'd love to exp- yeah, delve into that sometime because I think some editors just need to walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you're doing. Keep doing that. Others are idea pitchers. Others are sticklers for this doesn't work with this continuity and they're cops. Mm-hmm. Very different kind of position than I think that it was many years ago was proofreading. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, obviously it's different from all different companies, right? Yeah. An editor at Boom is different than what an editor is doing at Marvel or, or DC and, and so on and so forth. And I think that that's very interesting to me, absolutely. I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's tough. I think it's, that's a really interesting and fun academic discussion to have. I don't really think it has any place in reviewing a book because there's no way you can know. You're no, mm-hmm. you know, you can know, you know, what 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 was there doing, what was someone else is doing, unless they explicitly tell you in some sort of interview or some sort of literature. You know, so it's I, I think that's it's like saying like, you know, giving the producer credit for the way a cut turns out of a movie. It's it's you can't do it because right. how, who, who knows, who knows what what that what that deal is, yeah. but. Um, you know, you, you, so yeah, but I think it's been interesting. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, people have gotten into fights about it. And it's one of the things where you also, also can't legislate, not legislate. You can't, if someone likes writing more or likes art more, 
you can't change their mind by yelling at them. You just have to educate them in some way, you know. And I understand, like creators get very, especially artists who aren't get, do credit, get very upset, and I completely understand that. Uh, but it's one of those times where I feel like sometimes like it's like you're too much in the eye of the storm to kind of see the, see what the going, what's going on outside. It's sometimes when, when that mm. stuff goes on. Uh, but it's a, it's a stupid argument to have because well, they, it wouldn't exist with either of them. That's comics. Yeah. You're asking a question that doesn't have a definitive answer. It changes from person to person. You're yeah. not going to get one consensus on that. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, I mean, as long as as long as the companies, which, I mean, I, I, obviously I know this isn't true and they need to work to fix this, the companies need to compensate properly for, you know, what happens and they need to oh, know sure. where credit is deserved and where it goes. And I think, I think the extension... Look, I mean there's like three levels there's the the company level which they need to credit and do do what is right for for their people there's the responsibility of of sites like ours and sites much bigger than ours that are to make sure the people who deserve credit even if they're not getting it get the credit they deserve it's our job to go the next level deeper than people who just pick up the books in, in the shop and then there's the people who pick up the books and just read them really their only responsibility is to read the books if they paid money for them and either like them or not like them, there's yeah. no, there's nothing beyond that. And there's nothing you can ask of people other than that because that's just what it is, you know. But that's my thoughts on. Is this the long yeah. way to adding like a minute or two onto the lightning round? No, no, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm cutting it. <laughs> We're not doing it anymore. We're not doing it. Did you ever hear the story that Jim Steranko tells? He he handed in a an Agent of Shield book, mm-hmm. and there was a three page silent sequence of Nick Fury sneaking into a Hydra base you know, repelling up of a wall and shooting some bad guys and Hydra goons whatever and he, he handed in all this gorgeous art in the story and the office manager I think I think it was Saul Brodsky at that point said well I'm going to pay you for the artwork but I'm cutting three pages out of your story pay because you, there's nothing on those pages <laughs> I still wrote those pages Saul what yeah. do you mean I'm, I'm not paying you. There are no words there. I'm not paying you for that. I'm going to punch you in the nose, Tariq, <laughs> unless you pay me, I'm, or I'll walk right into Stan, and we'll see what he says. He eventually paid him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's, something, it's very tough to quantify stuff with, you know, artistically in, in any sense, because you talked about that, right, about how Strength was saying, I still wrote what happened in yes. these pages. I just didn't, there's no dialogue, but it's written, because it's there's stuff that happens in it, and that had to be written, right? Um and it's the same thing when you look at go to the film, right? I remember a couple of years ago when the artist was out, it's a silent silent yeah. movie, um, and it was nominated for best screenplay. And I remember Brian, and Brian knows a lot about movies. Yes. He's like, "How could that movie be nominated for best screenplay?" It's like, "Look, look." I'm like, "Brian, it's like, <laughs> it's still a story, and yeah. whether they speak or not, there's a story that that's that's metered out there that that needs to be told." And um, yeah, and and so that that's something that I think is important to remember. You know, it's like that, and we talked like also when we went back and talked about the. Uh, that Robin issue, which is so, which is so fantastic, yeah. and, and such a wonderful, uh, such a wonderful issue. Obviously, Patrick Leeson deserves a huge most of the credit for what where that where that comes out. But the the emotion and the idea behind it still has to be written somewhere. So it goes the other way as well. In those very rare, obviously, it's a very rare case. It's the very few comic books that have no words in them. But th- there's that as well. So I think that it's it, it's important to understand that you don't understand how things get made good point because you're not in the conversations between scott snyder and greg capullo or fiona staples and 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 brian k vaughn you know chris samney and mark wade whoever these big these teams that just work together for a very long time you're not in those conversations you don't know how they work so giving more credit than it's due or giving less credit than it's due is just it's pointless because you don't know you don't know how those things work out how does what's the difference between you know obviously 
Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, who work together all the time, who are co-creators on their books, what, what is it like them working together versus Kieran Gillen writing Iron Man with Greg Land doing the art? The relationship has to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the amount of input that like that that artist has on the story at that point has to be less. I mean, I could be totally wrong, and, and I would like to be told or that I'm totally wrong. I understand that I don't understand how those relationships work, and I'd like to know how, how they do work, um, big time. Um, I mean, uh, Stephanie, do you have any insight? You've been obviously you've worked a little closer to creative people in in the business. Yeah, I mean, like if you think back to even when we had Scott Snyder on the show, um, he mentioned how you know, like you see photos of them now, and they're like the best of friends. Mm-hmm. Like those two are inseparable, and they're like a goddamn dream team. But if you didn't talk to Scott, you wouldn't, or maybe even Greg, but you wouldn't know that the two of them were like mortal enemies when they started (laughs) working together. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott was just like, they they clashed. And Scott liked to give a lot of direction and Greg liked to be kind of left to make up some of his own decisions. And, um, you know, they just like really butted heads and were like, ah, I hate working with this guy. (laughs) And over time, they came to realize that, like, Scott came to realize that he wasn't just a writer. He's a writer, but he's a writer working on comics. And he needs to give some leeway to his artist in order for the artist to be the best that they can. If you kind of restrict them too much, they're not going to be able to produce art that they're proud of. Um, And art that, you know, has a little bit of them in it, Mm -hmm. has a little bit of soul. And, uh, like... Both of them kind of had to, like, learn to work with each other and kind of be like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm not just doing working wrong for you. I'm kind of working too anally, like, period. Mm -hmm. And it's a process, right? I think the more you work on comics, the more you kind of realize that, you know, if you want to just write, write books, if Mm -hmm. you want to collaborate with somebody and have your vision come to life and see what's in your head on a page in front of you that's comics mm-hmm. yeah and to me that's the difference yeah absolutely and i think collaboration is, is is a great word there right because you you look at even the, the same relationship happens in other visual mediums right someone a, a, a screenwriter needs someone to bring that script to life visually and obviously that no one unless it's an animated film they're not creating it from scratch they're filming it the director's filming it but when you bring someone else on board that is is pushing creative vision along there has to be room for collaboration because like we're bringing the snyder capullo thing up again and senator has said at this point right he, somebody he'll just write like this is kind of what happens and, and and then he just lets greg do what he's gonna do and, and he can be surprised sometimes by, by what comes back and their better storytelling ideas than he had. And the same thing happens with movies, with screenwriters and directors. And I think that allowing for a collaborative process is very important. And that's why I think it's the, the conversation is so tough because because of the amount of collaboration, there isn't really a probably a divided line m- most of the time in, in between mm-hmm. the, those two things. Uh, the, the writer and the artist are sort of one when they're working together in any sort of large collaborative sense. So I think that that's why it's really tough to separate the two in any sort of meaningful way mm-hmm. in, uh, in that process. Well, in comics years ago, DC worked one way, which was full script. Mm-hmm. Everyone it got written out panel by panel, page by page, and turned over to the artist who drew what was told. Mm-hmm. Marvel with Stan, who was writing so many books at once, re- literally didn't have the time, but also had 
Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko around. The stories that are told is uh, they even drew little in, in the annuals in, or in, in the back issue, you know, back of other issues. They'd show you the story conference, Stan jumping around on his desk, acting out characters. <laughs> and they'd, he'd send Jack Kirby home with two pages of synopsis. This has to happen this. I want some of this and some of this and some of this. Go create. Which at one point involved Jack coming back with the Silver Surfer, who Stan hadn't created. <laughs> Who's that guy? Well, a guy like Galactus wouldn't just show up. He'd have a herald. <laughs> I like that. We'll keep him. As, and so the Marvel method was always very loosely scripted, beginnings and endings, key points, and fill in the gaps. And so many great things came out of that. Mm. And these artists were allowed to then stretch. That went to DC for a long time. But then it went all the way back, I think, to full scripts almost across the board. But I think now it is loosening up. Mm-hmm. As some of these artists have shown they have, the, they, with their wings spread, can bring so much more to the table. Yeah. And even full script, I mean, even if you write detailed accounts of where you want to be, the artist still has to bring that and communicate that mm-hmm. to life. You know, you can say you want so-and-so character to look, you know, sad because of the death of his parents. But unless the artist can bring that to life, the, the penciler, the inker, the, the colorists... It just it means nothing. It's just words. It's just words on a page. So there's such a symbiosis between all of them that it's tough to. It's always yeah. tough to separate. I think particularly on the more cinematic looking things, mm-hmm. where you look at what Sandy did with Daredevil, mm-hmm. w- with uh, Mark Wade or the Fraction Aja mm-hmm. Hawkeye. So many weird things were going on beyond the panels in the way the panels interacted on the page. That. Artist, writer, both. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who knows? Yeah, who's really gonna know? Well, I think I like I I, I know Mark Way does it now. I uh, with Sammy. I think a couple of people have also adopted it on some of their books. I can't remember. I think I think Fraction and Aja did it. it, it just saying storytellers, and it's the yeah. writer and the artist, which I think is a perfect designation for that. But uh, enough navel gazing about, about about that stuff. Let's uh, let's move <laughs> to actually talk about some comic books. Ah. let's go to our lightning round. Steve, you ready to start this out? Sure. All right. I'm going to put three minutes on the clock and go. Uh, I finally got to read Cluster Number 5 from Boom Studios, Ed Burson and Damian Cusero. Just a word to everybody. If you're not reading Cluster, you really should. I say this every issue. This is, I believe, the last issue in the arc. Uh, It seems like things are kind of coming to a head and moving on to another huge part of the story. One thing I'll say about this book is... It constantly surprises me with its twists and turns and just it started off being one thing and is now something completely different by the end of just the first arc. Uh, Really excited to see where it goes. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, We have We Are Robin from Libra Mijo and uh, Jorge Corona. And this book is it's cool. Like I like the I like the grouping of the kids. I kind of like you know picking up the slack where uh, a Batman has gone missing or a new Batman settling into his role. Uh, and I mean, I'm, we're getting to know the personalities. I kind of want a little bit more of a focus, a little bit more story, but it seems like we might be meeting our, uh, villain next issue. So hopefully we'll, uh, land a little bit of ground with that, but it's, it's cool. I like it. Uh, the other thing I read, which was absolutely awesome is Magneto, the last days of Magneto from, uh, Cullen Bunn and Paul Davidson and Paul Mounts on colors. And I mean, this book has been really good from issue number one. This is all the way up to 20. This book continues to amaze me. Like from all the stuff that I've known about Magneto throughout the years or what I've read or whatever, like learned from other people, it seems to be all here within issues one to 20. I've been watching Magneto go off on his own and kind of do this, this one man mission thing. And the, 
the arc of his character has been brilliant. You've gotten tastes of like the compassionate Magneto, the vengeful Magneto. And now we're at a point where in the last days of Magneto, he is under the he believes that he can stop the incursion. And he's lost his powers, so he's, you know, pumping in um, the mutant hormone into his system. And he keeps trying to find new ways to amplify that. And it's just too much power that anybody is supposed to have. And now his his daughter's involved, Polaris is back, and it's kind of a father-daughter face-the-end-of-the-world scenario. And it's really quite beautiful and just written really, really, really well. Cullen Bunn is killing this character in this book. It's amazing. Uh, and the other book that I want to talk about really quick is Three Story from Matt Kent. I borrowed it from Bobby. And oh man, <laughs> that book is sad. Mm-hmm. That book is really sad, but it's also just ridiculously affecting and beautiful. And I felt like I was reading almost like, like a National Enquirer, but like like the one true thing that they ever <laughs> bothered to to follow up on and post about kind of this abominable snowman sighting or Bigfoot sightings of this man going through life. He just keeps growing and growing. But all the different perspectives that you got, what he turns into, what he loses throughout the course of the book, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought this up last because I wanted I wanted to bring the conversation out of the lightning round mm-hmm. for a little bit. But um, you've heard of the the theory of like eternal life and stuff like that, that if you... Like, let's say you were bitten by a vampire and you were to live forever or you were granted eternal life. Mm-hmm. Eventually, because time works the way that it does, lifetimes would pass by in seconds. So you have somebody who's exponentially growing and growing throughout the years. And as all of these things are being taken away from them, eventually there would be nothing left. Mm-hmm. Like his pain receptors are buried yeah. within his own body that when he's damaged, he can't feel it. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I just... I mean, you read it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. awesome. It's an amazing book. Really, really just one of those sit, sit and make you really think about Aww. a couple things. I mean, I'm only like five, six, five, <laughs> six and a half. And I mean, this guy's three stories tall and uh, just an incredible the, – the amount of – the amount of lives that were touched upon and fleshed out, even within the short periods of time that we spent with them throughout that book, you don't just get his story. You get like five or six other characters and it's it's just awesome. Yeah, well, I love and I talked about when I talked about it, but I love the fact that it's never his perspective. Yeah, from the three stories, it's it's these people in his life, which I think is really a special thing for for the book. Yeah, definitely, definitely a special book uh, for this year. I, I loved it. I got to get my own copy. Yeah, it's it was, it's really wonderful. Yeah, it was brilliant. Really wonderful. All right, awesome. All right, Stephanie, you've got three minutes, Stephanie, and go. All right, so I haven't read a lot this week. I've had a very Hectic life. Uh, but I did want to follow up and talk about uh, Broken World, which is a book I had uh, discussed for, I think, the last time I was on the show as my book of the week. And um, I'm going to be guilty of only mentioning the writer because the writer is the only person I currently remember. And that is Frank Barbieri. Um, so I read the second issue. I know Steve had read it already a little while back. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to say that I really, really enjoy this book. Uh, the second issue, you know, Things take off, basically. The first issue was the build-up to everything, and you don't get the immediate follow-up from that. Instead, you kind of flash forward a few months uh, and then back a couple days and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it, It jumps around a little bit. And basically, you're figuring out 
you know, how is our main character, uh, Elena? Yeah. Uh, how is she going to get reunited with her family? Um, how is this all going to work out for her? Because her family is in space. Um, obviously, building a spaceship is something that most of us can do. Um, but not Elena. Um, so she, she's, you know, trying to figure out in this world that's kind of stripped down to, uh, it's bare bones, mostly delinquents and unwanted are left. Um, how, how do you reunite yourself with your family? And the answer is go through your husband's belongings, find a top secret, um, little kit that is like a backup thing that was like, if you don't make it on the shuttle and you're important, you are. How? How can we get you in space? This is how. So Elena's on a little road trip um, to be reunited. And I just think that the this issue um, continues to be a strong one in the series. And I've been really enjoying it so far. And considering I didn't really hear anything about this book before it came out, I'm very pleasantly surprised by how great it has been. All right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Peterson is the artist. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, who puts this out? No. Is this? Is it? I image? feel like Image. It's Boom. Maybe it's Dark Horse. Oh, it's Boom. It's yep. Boom. Oh, wow. It's Boom. Oh, neither. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Image, Dark Horse, IDW. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great monkey book. brain. Monkey brain. Comicsology no, submits. It's Boom. <laughs> it's one of those like off to an intriguing start. Mm-hmm. It's only four issues, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So oh. it's it's gonna be off to a start and then off to a intriguing finish. I keep Hopefully forgetting it's that it's not an finish. ongoing. It feels like an ongoing. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't feel like something that's gonna end in two issues? But mm. what the hell do I know? <laughs> hmm. uh, so I'm cool. Broken I'm worlds. Definitely intrigued. Uh, I, I'm gonna check out the trade when when that comes out. So it's like there's only four issues. Uh, breaking news, by the way. CBR is reporting that Chris Pine has reportedly closed the deal to star as Steve Trevor in. Wonder Woman. Wow. So there you go. There okay. were some rumors that he possibly would possibly be being a Green Lantern, but it looks like he's going to be Steve Trevor. He's that too was... dreamy, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was some interesting Tilda Swinton news, too. Oh, yeah. She, she hasn't decided whether she's playing the ancient one as a man or a woman. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's, she's, she's awesome. Also, I still feel weird about that. I know. If, if, he, if she plays it as a man, I mean, obviously it's... It's interesting. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but but I also don't th- think she gets a say in that. They should have. Ca- yeah, I don't know. But the, the, I feel the, like the, the idea was she's like, you know what? I'm going to play a man, and they're like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I asked you to be in this movie because you're a woman, <laughs> and I think I would like you to play this as a woman. I think the idea was <laughs> that the ancient one could be anyone, anything, yeah. anything to anyone at any time. Yeah, right. Yeah, but not both. No, could she's the both. faceless man. Could be both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Telling me. It's very androgynous. She is very androgynous. It's true. Um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. She looks like David Bowie. There you go. She so does look like David Bowie. She's so Linda McCartney, though. Did you ever see that music video? Yeah. Where she yeah. plays young David Bowie? Yeah. It's pretty cool. David Bowie is, uh, he's all right. He is all right. I love David Bowie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so does Matt Fraction, as we found out. Does. Yep. He does love David Bowie. He's got, oh, man. Don't even get me. I love David Bowie. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Bob. Okie dokie. Are you ready? Sure. Three minutes. Uh, go. Starting with Harley Quinn Power Girl number two, which is a great improvement over the first issue, which kind of put me in a bit of a muddle. Some poor artistic choices and some humor that really crossed the line for me with these characters. But herein, we're back to the cheeky good fun that Ms. Connor and Mr. Palmiotti have been bringing to the main Harley book. 
And they've also brought in a huge slice of that I've got this attitude that Power Girl uh, displayed in their run on that book. So for those following Harley every month, it's a you know nice side trip. For Power Girl fans, I'll let you know after next issue maybe. Spider-Woman number nine, uh, Dennis Hopeless, Javier Rodriguez, after the rescue of the families of the supervillains, uh, Jessica Drew, Ben Urich, and Roger Gocking, a.k.a. the Porcupine, take off on a road trip to solve a case or two while teaching Roger what it means to be a hero. <laughs> Along the way, they encounter oh, rampaging demons, uh, possessed octogenarians, killer trout, and, and then have a bit of a mashup with a semi-tractor trailer driver and Penelope Pitstop. And that's all before they land in Dodge City, Kansas, and the actual plot of the issue. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's just a great fun bouncing all over the place. This book got off to a rough start as it got tied into all the Spider-Verse stuff, but it really, really picked up steam. Can't wait to see what they're going to do as we move eight months out. And now Jess is pregnant mm-hmm. from who knows where. Uh, finally, Sensation Comics number 12, particularly there's one long front story. Usually this has been split kind of down the middle, but... Longer first story called Return to Gaia, which is Derek Friedolfs and Tom Power. And this issue's main story is Themyscira is being rocked with all sorts of natural disasters caused by Typhon, the father of all monsters and the last son of Gaia. Now, what happens here is there's someone else on Paradise Island. It's Poison Ivy. Oh. And it looks as if the rehabilitation that took place in Sensation 1 seems to have really taken root, and Ivy's doing something really heroic. This is just a great Ooh. story. Lots of fun Amazon stuff, and just great fun. Sensation every month has been the Wonder Woman book you should be reading. I can't say it enough, but I'll say it one more time. This this book should be more in the mainstream you, but let's just go for it. So that's it for me. What is an octogenarian? Someone who's more than 80 years old. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Learn something. I was going to say septuagenarian, but I thought octogenarian sounded funnier. It does. Yeah. It does. It sounds like a doctor of sorts. (laughs) It could be. It does. I have to go see my octogenarian. Like, I'm so sorry. It's an eye problem. That'd be an optogenarian, I guess. It's a very old eye doctor. Um, Spider Woman was awesome. Yes. It's a great book. That double double page spread? Yeah. It's really great. And I love her relationship with the porcupine. It's hilarious. (laughs) Like, go sit in the car. I love that he's in that book. Yeah. It's pretty great. It feels a little bit like um, Superior Foes in a way. It's not as silly as Superior Not as foes. silly, but the the pool that they're pulling from mm-hmm. in terms of characters and, and such mm-hmm. feels a little bit like that. Like they, they're hanging out across town mm-hmm. and like at any moment they could just run into them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. B, C, D, and mm-hmm. under level characters. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but it works. All right. Awesome. So uh, let me get my, uh, I got a little, I had some notes that I, I took here to my lightning round. I got three minutes on the clock and go. All right. So Cyborg, uh, number one, um, David David Walker. That's his name? David F. Walker. David F. Walker and uh, Ivan Rice, uh, the artist. Uh, great start to a uh, uh, new series. Uh, I, lo- I love the art by Ivan Rice. It, it's fantastic as, as usual. Really great superhero stuff by him. My only reservation is that I don't know how the villain story is going gonna, is gonna to play out. It feels a little too like, we've created an evil version of Cyborg yeah. kind of thing. That's going to, you know, that the Iron Man movie syndrome of, of it. I, I could end up being something totally different, uh, but it's obvious that Walker gets how to write uh, Victor uh, really, really well. And so I'm looking forward to seeing w- where it goes. From there, uh, Marvel Zombies number two, it's 
uh, awesome. It's such an awesome book. Elsa Bloodstone is is amazing in it. The her relationship with, with the the child character is, is hilarious. Kev Walker's art is perfect. I I really love this book. I hope that in some form Elsa stays around in, in a in a starring role post uh, post Secret Wars. Future Imperfect number three continues to be great. Uh, Peter David Greg Land. Uh, I can't believe this is Greg Land's art because it, it's it's really nice and I'm really <laughs> enjoying it and it's going some really interesting places that I, I'm looking forward to seeing. I uh, caught up with Ms. Marvel. I was four issues behind, so I read the three issues of Crushed and I read the. Uh, Sorry, the uh, the last of us last days issue. I loved the crushed arc. I thought it was great. Uh, Takashi Miyazawa uh, does a great job. Uh, I, I can't even say filling in for Alfana anymore because I think he's almost done as many issues as Alfana yeah. has done. Great, keep, doesn't miss a beat with with, with, with a different artist. And I actually started uh, reading the first trade of Lumberjanes. I'm about three issues in and. It, it was exactly kind of what I predicted when I first read the first issue, which is that it's very charming and, and very funny and very smart and, and really cool. It can, uh, but I can only give my attention to it in a big block. I, don't, I can't do it monthly. So I'm really enjoying reading through it right now, getting to know these characters and, and laughing and, and you know, also being interested in the mystery of, of everything th- that's happening in the book. And that's it. All right. I did pretty well there. I still yeah. have 40 seconds left. Anything else you want to say? That was a Bob-level lightning round right there. No, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. I just did a, I did a pretty good job of, of getting through that stuff. Um, well, I see the red, or some sort of red She-Hulk on the cover of Future Imperfect. Oh, it's not, I can't remember her name right now. Ruby? That's her name? She she has, like, metal skin. Oh. She can, she, she it's almost like uh, um, Emma Frost skin, oh. but, it, but it's like Ruby instead of a diamond. Uh, but really cool stuff. Really interesting. If this is them sort of going on a raid of the base where uh, the the Hulk has the thing captive, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't turn out like you would think it would. So very very cool. Mm. But I, I cannot say enough. If you like Next Wave, if you like Elsa Bloodstone, you should be reading the Marvel Zombies book because it is awesome. Really funny. Really really funny. G- great stuff. You hear me, Stephanie? You should be reading Marvel Zombies. What? <laughs> you should be reading Marvel Zombies. What? It's very good. I do have the first issue. I have read. admittedly not bought comics for two weeks because I'm so backlogged <laughs> that there doesn't seem like a point. Mm. Yeah, I'm backlogged too. I just keep buying trades for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> trades are see, good. like, I, you know, we're those people that need to have the new issue yeah. uh, for this and for ourselves. Mm. And, yeah, no, I'm just at this point where I'm just like, Steph, you literally, I don't know how, but you're 10 gigs over on your iPad. <laughs> you only have comics on this. You need to sort that shit out hmm. by reading some of them. Yes. So. 100%. Yeah. So the <laughs> next couple of weeks, I might be going old school Bob on you guys. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by old school, I mean, like, the last, like, five years. Yeah. But like, Okay, that's, you know. Yeah, I uh, I bought what did I buy this week? And I bought the second volume of Wicked and Divine because mm-hmm. uh, I have not read it. So I have it a, is very good. I'm excited about that. And I bought the second volume of something else too, which my brain just went. Pff- oh, I bought Deadly Class, second volume of Deadly Class. Oh, I didn't know that came out. Yeah, because I haven't read that either. And I bought the last volume of Ghosted. Ah, yes. So now I'm going to sit down and just. I read the I read the first volume back when it came out. Like I read it weekly or monthly, sorry. Uh, but I'm going to just sit down and read one through four of the the trades just straight through in, it, in one sitting. Those are both. Those are two series that I've have all the single issues: Deadly mm-hmm. Class and Ghosted. 
and have not read for at least ghosted at least two arcs mm. and then the other one deadly class which is one of my favorite books i don't know why the hell i sit on it <laughs> but i do there's three issues sitting in my bedroom right now i gotta get to those Ghosted I, is the heist one, right? Yes. Okay. It's the heist one, yes. Uh, yeah, that started so strong. Right? Yeah, yeah I loved it. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's the same thing. I was like, I'll just collect a couple of them and read them in a, in a, in a mass, and then I just got far behind, and I, then I just, I just punted. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided I'm just going to go another way and just buy the trades. Well, there's so many books that by the time that you actually get around to some stuff, you'd be surprised how quickly time passes mm-hmm. in terms of book releases. Sometimes books even come out twice a month. It depends. Yeah. And then, you know, before you turn around, it's sitting on the shelves right there. And if you catch it the week that it comes out, you can get it for, mm. you know, a really good price and you're still supporting the book. Yeah. All that stuff. I, I, I'm I terrified to actually go back and look how many issues of all new and uncanny X-Men I have not read. Oh, I've got, I did oh. that today. I have about six of all new and maybe four of uncanny. I have more than that. The that, last time I read them was for the Black Vortex. That's Ooh. the thing. I was totally into that series, and then the Black Vortex came around, mm-hmm. and I picked up that issue without having read the Black Vortex stuff, and I was so completely lost. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Captain Marvel. Where, uh, that that's they have that 14. yeah that one yeah. issue where I was just like, all right, well, I, I couldn't even I couldn't latch onto anything mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, yeah that stuff uh, very derailing. Mm-hmm. I, I finally felt like I was. On the other side of the fence, when it comes to right. events, I was I was on the uh, Stephanie side, <laughs> being like, "What is this doing here? <laughs> Ruining my thread." One of us. One of us. Yeah, it was really One annoying. Of us. Yeah, that was like Black Forest threw me off of the book. I still kept collecting it, but I I, I stopped. It, it 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 threw a spike in my reading schedule. Yep. And then by the time it was over, I had, it was like three or four issues behind. Then and then of course. I'm like, okay, well, I'll read them. And then I'm like, but I don't have time this week, so I'll just mm-hmm. I'll read them next week. Since I haven't read those other ones, I can wait. Exactly. And now I, like, I think between the two of them, I probably have close to 20 issues to read. Oh. And the other thing happened to me, too, was, okay, so I, I, was, I went through Rhythm is Marvel. I'm very bad with L through M in, in my Marvel section with, with being caught up. So uh-huh. I was like five issues behind on, on Ms. Marvel, which is not that bad. I read them in like you know an hour or whatever. It was great. And I'm like, okay, what's next? So I've got Magneto. Yeah. And I don't think I've read Magneto since like, issue you three. haven't because you every time i bring it up you're yeah. like uh-huh yeah yeah issue three i think issue three or four. Oh damn dude it's so good here's the problem like i'm gonna catch up on it i'll just read it from the beginning again i have issues one two three five. Oh no i don't know where i, 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 I must, hate that i must have missed four the week it came out and just not and just because i've been like sorting the way and then i have you know i have five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fifteen 17, 18, 19, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, 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 but I do have all the issues of Loki, Agent of Asgard, which I... That's good, too. Um, I'm like 10 issues behind on. Oh, man. So <laughs> that's I, out, though. I'm, I'm going to read that one. My issue right now is that I've gotten very lazy in terms of organizing. Mm. I've been putting stuff into my phone. I've been scanning them and inputting them into my phone. But rather than put them in the long boxes upon which I have no room left, mm-hmm. I've stopped buying bags. And that has left me with piles of books. <laughs> There's two piles in my bedroom. There's about seven piles in my living room. <laughs> There's four piles on the dining room table. And then there's all piles next to each long mm-hmm. box where this goes here eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I couldn't read Spider, uh, Spider-Woman 
when I knew Bob was going to talk about it was because I can't find number eight. I know <laughs> oh, I have it because it's in yeah. my phone, but it's somewhere in those piles. And I have a, I read these and didn't read these pile. And I looked at them today and I was like, these don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so something's going to have to happen. Yeah. I'm going to need, uh, I'm going to need help. <laughs> I am. I need help in general. Uh, Crack open a really nice beer. <laughs> get some empty boxes. Yeah. And, and f- use boxes to help you file them. Mm-hmm. I, I've done this pile thing you're talking about, and it doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to get them out of your sight and say, okay, this goes here in this order. Mm-hmm. Dividers and just what you mm-hmm. do with the regular books. Just try to semi-sort them. Summer makes me lazy because it's hot and yeah. it's gross. And I have the air conditioner on, and what I do is I take a sheet – and I hang a sheet between my living room and my dining room to keep the cool air. Because I, I never go anywhere besides mm. the uh, mm. living room unless I'm going in the kitchen to cook something or into the bathroom mm. or whatever. But that comic book room manages to stay relatively cool. Like the window's open. Not too much heat doesn't get in there. But damn, do I not want to be in there. <laughs> I don't want to be picking through boxes and stuff hunched over that. Ugh. No thanks. <laughs> you don't want to drip onto your books. No. No, no I don't. So – so yeah, that that was I would, I found that out. So I have the Lokis are out. I'm gonna I'm gonna read those. That those are next on my list. I'm reading before I read anything this week. I'm gonna read through the Lokis okay. and, get, and get them done. Uh, and then I'm next time I go to a, a shop, I'm gonna look for these random issues of Magneto that I'm missing. These three issues of Magneto yeah. that I'm missing. I don't even really need to, actually. I don't even worry about three because I can just buy the first trade. <laughs> you can borrow mine. I know, but I, you know I want to have. Okay, it's really weird to have like. 20 of the 22 issues that are... Oh, I get it. The, uh, yeah. the last time I went to Canada, Bronwyn's been collecting uh, Black Widow, mm-hmm. and I stopped eons ago, and she still, you know, is keeping up with it. She's missing one issue. <laughs> Number 14. Is it an yeah. issue you have that you can... Get? It's not, and uh. it's not at Heroes at the store, which uh. has every issue under the sun except mm-hmm. for 14. That's what happens. And I'm like, oh, I'll get it for you in the States, and I'll bring it back, and I keep forgetting. I will take a look tomorrow. All right. That's what happens. Yeah, so that's a menu stuff I, I want to get and, and you know, kind of close off that mm-hmm. that loop for myself. Yeah. Um, but I, I went through my collection this weekend, and I and I was categorizing, so I was putting stuff away because um, I hadn't for a couple of weeks, so I had some piles to sort through. Um, and I always just do, like, I do, like, Marvel pile, DC pile, you know, like, indie mm-hmm. pile. Yeah. And then I, I go that. through then I go through them and alphabetize them, like, hey, you know, whatever. But I, I, I did all that stuff. And then I went through, though, because, look, I have, like, six little cases I keep my books in, that's the only books I can fit in my apartment. So <laughs> that's the limit for how many I can own. I like that. So it's like I have when when I those get filled up, I have to go through and just purge. I just gotta go, okay, like what can I what can I maybe sell to a shop and be some image stuff, back issues that they're looking for because they're really hard to find. What am I gonna donate? What am I gonna give to Jackie's son? Like there's yeah. <laughs> there's different files. I have a huge book bag just full, stuffed full of comics to give to Luke. That kid's got it made, man. Yeah. Um but I went through and I was just like, okay, so I bought the first trade of Witches, the first six, which is the first mm-hmm. six issues. So those issues are going to get brought to the, the, a comic shop and say, do you want these? If they don't want them, then I'll donate them or, or, or whatever. Um, same thing with Wicked and Divine. Same thing with Ghosted. Same thing with Nailbiter. You know, I, I have the trades for, for those books now. So There are people listening that are like, give them to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, maybe that's what you can do on the forums. <laughs> so, uh, Raffle so, them off. So yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I put those into a bag and these are gonna, they're going to go away. I went through and I took out... Anytime I saw a single issue of something that's been coming out for a couple months, I'm like, well, I'm obviously not buying another one of these. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, so that gets that gets tossed in, into the pile. I'm not buying another, you know, Prez or Batmite. So those are going away as well. Right. Even those are newer series. So I just uh, do stuff like that. It happens a lot. But there's a lot. The indie box 
gets a lot of stuff taken out, like one issue taken out of it. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm obviously not reading this or that or this, like, you know. Red one. Red one, yeah. Red yeah. one's in the pile. Spire is in that pile. Stuff, stuff like that, which I just know. Yeah. I, I read one issue. I might have, I might have even enjoyed it, but it's not something I'm going to collect um, monthly. Even the things that I am collecting at this point, like the last two months since I've moved, um, I must have taken like six. You know those big plastic crate like uh, storage boxes you can get. Mm-hmm. I've taken like six of those <laughs> to used bookstores. Mm-hmm. Six. Where was I putting that shit? <laughs> I don't even know. I got rid of two giant bookshelves. Some hobo literally finally just took those shelves. Thank you, hobo on the street. Um, you, know, you know, it was a library in his cardboard refrigerator box. Well, I was actually thinking of moving it down the street because one of my neighbors put a leather couch out. And um, some of the drunks in my neighborhood decided to just use that as a place to hang out. So they've been hanging out on the street and like... I, they helped me park my car yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> um, they're like, you're a little far from the curb. You know what? Back up. You know, you know, turn it a little to the right. I'm like, all right. It doesn't need to be perfect, guys. You're drunk. Go home. You're drunk. Literally. Um, but yeah, like I, I've gotten to this point now where I don't even want to keep trades. If it's still in like the wrapper, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should get rid of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like this for two years. <laughs> I want to read this, but at this point, I feel like I might move by the next time. By the time I get around to this, mm-hmm. and um, I'll just buy it digitally. Yeah. So I, um, I, I'm parsing things down: my single issues, my everything, and um, yeah, I, I've been bringing stuff to work. I saw one of my coworkers, one of the one of these students reading a comic the other day so i'm like you like comics oh girl i'm bringing you stuff <laughs> brought her like lock and key and all kinds of stuff now she cuts my bangs for free wow. <laughs> nice i know and if they're a mess in the morning because it's sweaty and gross out she's like girl let me fix those and i'm like girl okay <laughs> it's great some frontier commerce going on there it's great <laughs> barter system it's yeah. basically yeah it's basically like i sold a real goat <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I I I've just made a kind of a decision. Uh, it it was partly forced upon me, but also I'm happy about it now. Like I'm gonna have to cut back on how many issues I buy every week, and I'm actually happy about that. I want I I, I it's freeing me from feeling like I have to buy everything, because honestly, we get most of the book. I can read if I want if I want to read them. Seventy percent of the books that come out that I would want to read we have access to in, in some sort of review form. So mm-hmm. I, I can read those. And, if, and then if I want to buy them after or I, you know, you know, things that are on the fence about, I can use that for. And if I need to talk about them here, I can talk about them, which is, is it's, it's good news for me to actually use that as a, a thing. And you know, there's some series that I'll continue to buy every month, obviously. I'm not going to stop buying Batman and all the Saga and all this kind of stuff. I have them all physically. I'm going to keep buying them that way. Um, but a lot of the new series and stuff like that, I'm going to end up just buying digitally now because... Uh, it's easier, it's simpler, and I don't have to worry about the clutter and, and, anymore. And and that's what I'm very m- most excited about. I'm also about to pack up a lot of DVDs and throw them in storage, which is something I never thought I'd do. I wow. just packed up a lot of DVDs and sold them. That's a, that's good. Yeah, the guy was like, wow, these are all in the wrapper. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll buy them all. I'm like, good. 
I separated out my Blu-rays from my regular DVDs. They used to be like, you know, in general population. Mm-hmm. I took them out. So now I know which ones are the Blu-rays. They're on a shelf. The DVDs are all on another shelf. Yeah. And, so. I put my blu- uh, my blu- blu- Blu-rays. Blu-rays <laughs> are the only ones that I still have shelved. And basically I've kept like my favorite movies, my like Ghibli movies, my Disney movies. And then all of my DVDs I put in binders. Okay, gotcha. I got rid of all of the cases and just put them all in binders, and that's actually amazing. Bob's, Bob's having a heart attack. Having a heart attack. I know. I thought the same worry, way, Bob. But you know like, I, roll. I have moved. I moved across the country twice. Mm-hmm. I like you know. I I can't do it anymore. I Once can't you have move all a bunch, this stuff. Yeah, and Once... it's it's just like the DVDs are such a huge part of what takes up so much room the dvds and the books and as much as i love them i can't yeah. my roommate was really funny though like when i moved in and for the last like few weeks she's been like steph you have so much stuff steph you have so much stuff and then i got i had like six i don't know like big giant bags of stuff that i was gonna you know sell and she's like steph why are you getting rid of everything <laughs> and i'm like because i have a lot of stuff and like, I, I feel like maybe I should just sort of start to let go. She's like, but Steph, why? I'm like, you bug me every day. <laughs> you're like, Steph, you're basically a hoarder. I'm getting rid of stuff. She's like, don't get rid of what makes you happy. I'm like, don't get zen on me. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, just don't do it. I'm like, stop it. Get out of here. <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> um, yeah, moving a bunch of times will really take away your love for your physical objects there is nothing it's kind of like it's kind of like you know having kids and stuff right like nothing will make you want kids less than like babysitting for a birthday party of like (laughs) four-year-olds um it's yeah like moving nothing will make you want to get rid of everything faster than moving yeah i I want to live minimalistically yeah Having to having to move and bring boxes and like nine of them are boxes full of DVDs. I'm like maybe this is a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> How many? Of, when's the last time I watched any of these? <laughs> See, I'm surrounded with those things I love mm-hmm. and that mentality. So I haven't moved in a very long time. Right. <laughs> so it's just sort of they get moved from room to room here and there. Yeah. But it's. Uh, I'm comforted by the fact that I can watch 10 minutes of something and just put it back. <laughs> and it's there. But then when someone from outside comes in, when Carolyn came over mm-hmm. to do some research and she walked into my living room and exclaimed in a semi-horrified way, but still with a might of a thrill to it. It was interesting. <laughs> I have never seen more media in one room than, <laughs> than here. What is going on here? It's like, I don't know. It, DVD store threw up in my living room. Yeah, I, I mean, there's. Exactly. A, I have. A, I still think there's. Only, I think there's nothing wrong with having all that <laughs> stuff. I just can't deal with it anymore. Can't deal. With it. And also, when you live in an apartment with limited space, like I have, it also becomes like an albatross because you're like, I want to do stuff and I want to move. I want to. I want to change stuff up. And you're like, but I have these mm-hmm. five shelves. That what am I going to do with them? You know, they they have to be here somewhere. Yeah. So it really limits my options as far as where I can put anything. You guys watch. Well, a couple of you watch Broad City, right? Um, I have never seen it actually. No. no? Oh, okay. No. Well, there's this episode where they're looking for a new apartment and they basically, and, uh, Amy Sedaris plays their real estate agent mm. and, uh, they go and look at this like apartment and it's like, she's like, it's a galley apartment. It's not small. <laughs> and it's basically like just 
one big haul going through everything. <laughs> and that's my apartment, basically. So I definitely need to get rid of stuff. Yeah. But you have a new definitely. bookcase. You have a brand new bookcase we heard about. <laughs> I, oh, God. Filled already? Yeah, the hobos oh. do. <laughs> oh, you read the one that just got built is now out with the hobos? Yeah, I know. We didn't, I didn't know. I it's know okay. Nothing. It's okay. Um, I almost moved them down the street with the couch, but um, yeah, that didn't yeah. happen. Yesterday, somebody collapsed. Like, an oh. ambulance was there, and I was just worried that someone got stabbed. And I was like, hmm. what happened, guys? They're like, oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's real hot out, and uh, she just was walking, and then she just fell right over. She just was like, <laughs> she just fell over. Wow. I'm like, oh, wow. I hope she's okay. They're like, yeah, it's real crazy up in here. <laughs> like, maybe you guys should go do something besides sit on this couch. <laughs> it sounds like you have polite homeless people. Yeah. They're Canada. very nice. He grabbed yeah. my arm at They're one Canadian point because homeless. he wanted to see yeah. my tattoo. And I was like, hey, stranger danger. <laughs> um, but I'm like, all right, you get a pass because you help me park. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the rule. So you can grab her arm if you help her park. Um. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a general kind of rule. That's like I'm making an exception. Um, there was this real scary dude leaning on my car. And I was like walking back from getting ice cream. This has nothing to do with comics. Um, and he was like, seriously, like buff and smoking and just clearly crazy and i'm walking uh with the boy creature and i'm like i'm gonna tell him to stop leaning on my car he's like oh i'm like i'm gonna tell him to stop leaning on my car and i'm like no i'm gonna do it i'm gonna be like stop leaning on my car please and then like he would do something crazy and i'm like "Mm, no no not gonna do it not gonna do it and like as i got closer i'm like and finally i was like can you maybe stop leaning on my car and he's like oh oh my gosh this is your car this is your car it's your car? He's like, you know what? From now on, I'm going to give you free car washes. Oh. And I'm like, uh-oh. What have I done? Yep, that's not a good, that's not a good move. It's okay. I think we're friends. Okay. Uh, I think all right. we're friends. I know what he washes your or car Or he's going to murder me, but yeah, either one. Yeah. I think we're friends. He's going to pee on You, have, so, you have several people <laughs> in your life that potentially could scarily murder you, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, keep, we'll yeah. keep updated on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go back to comics, though. Okay. Uh, Steve, your book of the week. <laughs> Lay it on <laughs> us. Ah. Uh, Okay, so when we uh, went to special edition this past, when was that? Couple June. Months, June. June. Okay, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. No. Hot damn. I picked up a book uh, called Fight Like a Girl. It's from Action Lab Studios and, is it? Yeah, Action Lab Studios. Is the studios part of the title? Mm-hmm. Or Action Lab Entertainment? Uh, entertainment sounds better. All right. Uh, collects the first. Princess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, collecting the first four issues of David uh, Pinckney and Sue Lee's critically acclaimed series, Fight Like a Girl. I met Sue Lee at Special Edition and picked up her book, uh, thumbed through it a little bit and bought it right away because I liked the art. It kind of reminded me of uh, Gabriela Hernandez-Walta, the artist from uh, Magneto. Mm -hmm. And it is, if I had to describe it, we were actually talking with Mara, I believe, last week about uh, her and I were geeking out over Madoka Magica, mm-hmm. the uh, anime series. It kind of reminds me very loosely, I'm going to tag that onto this mm-hmm. comment, very loosely of Madoka Magica meets a Green Lantern type of mm. situation. And here's the setup for this book. I know what one of those things is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, very loosely. And when I when I tell you why, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, really, dude? Um 
It's about a young black woman. She's probably in her, yeah, like 19, 22, something like that. Uh, she has a brother who's in the hospital and he's dying. And she lives in a place where, uh, like, on the outskirts of her city is this place called the Wishing Well. And the Wishing Well is uh, kind of hosted by and kept by this pantheon of gods. Like, Loki's there, Apollo's there, a whole bunch of the gods are there. And basically what you do is you bring a wish to the Wishing Well, and they decide on it they like they toss it around they give you like a jury's decision on whether or not they think that it's a worthy wish for something that they would grant and they throw you into this arena where it's nine different levels and you have to face nine different challenges and if should you survive there have not been many survivors um if any mm. for millennia if you're able to survive all nine uh, arenas of this thing your wish will be granted and it's very straightforward. Um, I say Madoka Magica because um, one of the characters in the original Madoka, the one that I watched, her brother is sick. And the way that the Madoka thing works is you, you, it deals with wishes and her wishes to make her brother. So that's where I got that. But when you enter into the arena, it kind of plays into your imagination. And because it's a fantasy scenario, like these different arenas are... You go, you walk through a door, like a magic door, and the arenas are not of this world. There are things that happen within them that can't happen in real life. So she brings a baseball bat in with her, but as she's going through these things, she can kind of imagine the baseball bat as different weapons. So it turns into a giant chainsaw. It turns into a giant laser beam gun. And she's going through these uh, these arenas, and she's fighting dinosaurs. She's fighting giant robots. She's fighting kaiju and, and all these crazy, crazy things. But what makes the book so special is the, the, the weight of, of what she's actually doing and what she's fighting for versus the characters that kind of challenge her and question her in between these rounds there's a like a helper kind of like an info information angel that floats around with her and if she needs to know the weaknesses of what she's facing she asks it questions and it responds to her and stuff like that so that's kind of her companion uh throughout these battles that she's going through but she also has a boyfriend back home on the you know on the outside and in, in her real life and he knows that she's going to do this and he basically questions her motivations and is asking her, you know, have you even talked to your brother about what you're about to go and do? And she lies mm. about it. And he knows that she's lying. And he's constantly asking, you know, basically prying into her motivations. And then you have the other half of the coin with these arenas where, you know, because it's based off of your imagination and you're creating the things that you're going against, they're going to be things that are familiar basically human beings turning into these, you know, these majestic magical beasts and you're, you're dealing with them and stuff like that, that, um, in the first round, the first level, she comes across this, uh, kind of poly symbiote, uh, woman who she's like lounging by a pool one minute, the next minute she turns into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and wow. then she turns into like Leviathan and like all these crazy things. But after she's defeated, spoiler, yeah. and, uh, it comes down to, dispatching this thing because it's you're either the victor or you're the loser and you have to kill in order to win the match mm -hmm. 
And her whole thing about going into this, these challenges is like, you know, this is all based off of myself. Like, you're not real. And it's like, yeah, but you're imagining me. It's real for me. What you're doing, I'm a human being. I might be able to turn into all these different things, but my core, my base is a human. You're about to kill another person. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with that? Are the people back home, once you come back from the wishing well, should you be the victor? What are they going to think of what you've done in order to make this person well? And it gets into all these like really deep philosophical questions about motivations and inner strength and just is layered with all this crazy introspective stuff. And I did not expect it when I picked it up. I was like, oh, it's going to be a fun romp. It's going to be this and that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to be battling these giant beasts. It's that, but it's more than that. And um, I really, really enjoy the living hell out of it. So I picked it up and I was like, oh, you know, I bought this. I'll check it out. And I, I couldn't put it down from beginning to end. Um, super, super good. So uh, the second trade isn't out yet. I don't even know if there are issues beyond. This is the first four. So I got to do some research uh, for it. I finished reading it like more or less this afternoon. So mm -hmm. I didn't have time to look. But um, yeah, it's Fight Like a Girl from Action Lab. And it is uh, David, uh, oh my God, Pinkney. And Sue Lee on art. And it's just fantastic. Awesome. So people should definitely check it out. It is on Amazon.com. Uh, and it is just something to something to, to get for sure. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, Bob, while we were talking. So New Line announced they're doing a Shaft reboot. And okay. That it's, but it's going to have a comedic undertone or overtones to it. David F. Walker. Bob Squints. David F. Walker tweeted... David Walker. Yes, who wrote shit to it. I yeah. loved And he's death. writing Cyborg with comic yeah. book. It's literally the comic says, the new Shaft movie will be a comedy. Fuck you, New Line Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he tagged them on Twitter. He said, that's right. The writer of Shaft comics and novels says, fuck you. <laughs> right on, David F. Walker. <laughs> oh, that was comedic. pretty. You, you mean that last one didn't have comedic overtones? <laughs> also, the worst line of dialogue in a movie I heard in years. What's that? For those who saw the uh, the Sam Jackson, Jackson. The, the, the John Singleton, right. it, the, the good thing about it was he wasn't playing the real John Shaft. He's playing his nephew. Mm. So all right, it's, it's still crappy. The first half of it's great. Uh, Christian Bale is a really terrible person. It's a real great bad guy. Jeffrey Wright is amazing in the movie. Tony Collette, mm -hmm. some great performances. The first half of it is raw and real. And it goes right down the drain into terrible action movie with lousy motivations and whatever. But Sam Jackson comes off with, I, I don't know, did he write it himself? Did he ad lib it? It is my duty to please that booty. Oh, that's what that's from. Okay. <laughs> I groaned audibly in the theater. <laughs> As people have heard, I am a big fan of yes. Ernest Tidyman Shaft and yeah. Richard Roundtree, and, and that was... The only good thing in the movie is Richard Roundtree's in it for a while. <laughs> you just reminded me. I have not come over to do it yet. You and I need to sit down and watch Black Dynamite. Yeah. But yeah. only if I make you watch Shaft first. I'll watch Shaft you, you if you watch, watch Black you gotta Dynamite. you got to watch where it comes from. <laughs> know where it's going. I won't say what it is. Maybe original gangsters. <laughs> you're talking about lines. Black Dynamite is there's this one line right in the middle of the movie I fell on the floor. I was holding my sides, and I had tears in my eyes. I hadn't laughed so hard in forever. And it might only be funny to me, but oh my God, 
Oh my god, I almost pissed myself. It was so very good. good things about that movie. All right, let's oh, go, let's so go on to things you're happy about, Bob. T- t- get get huh? to go, your book of the week. Okay, since we are preparing, perhaps uh, the Fantastic Four movie is coming out. So I've been I've made a pile in my living room of things to read through, and we we got to this one. At this point, and there are all sorts of. I've got trade paperbacks I haven't gone through. Velvet number two I haven't read yet. Leaf through it and so on and so forth. But what I did pull out some while back is Marvel Knights four, which came out in two thousand and four, and all thirty issues of it actually. But issues one to seven just came out in trade. Mm-hmm. Now it's written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who we now know from being the Archie horror guy, mm-hmm. and Steve McNiven on art for the first seven, and then it would change up to uh, Paul Muniz and a few other folks as, as we went along. Now, in 2004, the mainline Fantastic Four book was Mark Wade and Mike Waringo, which was very well respected. I've got some problems with how we did Doctor Doom, but it just the book was really, really well done, repositioned the Fantastic Four as, as he described them, Imaginauts, that they would go flying off and do adventures, and it was about the family, mm-hmm. and it's, just, it's Mark Wade. I've heard so, you use that term before. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is really amazing, and it was just a stellar run. So when they announced that some playwright <laughs> was going to write a Fantastic Four series as a domestic drama slash soap opera, I went insane. It's like, I, why are you doing that? Why, who's going to want to read that when I can read this? And so I then read it. And the 30 issues through are some of the best Fantastic Four stories ever written. Hey, now. What you're at is it, it's, it's family-centric, which isn't to say there isn't still adventure and plots and supervillains and aliens and weird stuff going on. But it's just a perfect setup for why you care for these people. The personalities are all absolutely spot-on target. Sue is the rock of this group. Reed is the smartest guy in the room. He's distracted. And Ben and Johnny has the best arc where he's been mostly, I don't want to say a cipher, but he's the younger brother and he acts as that way. He comes into his own here and that's the Johnny that's now translated through into the rest of the books. Where we begin is their government funding, all the superhero stuff is going on. This this happens just before Civil War. Civil War, I think, really ends this book. I'll get to it a little later. Their government funding is cut. The city is tired of things all getting damaged. And they find themselves broke. And basically needing to find work. They're evicted from the Baxter building. The last page of issue three here is the family standing outside looking up. As Sue says, you know, what... What none of them could do, not the puppet mess, not the mole man, not even Victor, could take our home from us. But they they go through their changes. Sue goes and teaches school. And the kids, well, she's a substitute English teacher. The kids, as she turns her back to write her name over, are throwing spitballs and stuff. You know, that's that's all great. You know who I am, obviously. I can make all of you naked in front of your classmates. How would you like that? <laughs> And they all behave, <laughs> interestingly enough. Uh, ben gets a job in construction. Reed r- works computer IT for banks. <laughs> uh, Johnny th- th- thinks he can go back to acting. His agent tells him, well, you know, you can fly and that's great, but, well, you can't sing and you, well, can't act. <laughs> so I don't know if I have anything for you. You should probably find another agent. 
Johnny decides to join the FDNY, hmm. become a fireman, which leads to an issue where Namer shows up and there's a rescue to be had. As, as we move through the series uh, in, in five through seven, they decide to take the kids out camping. There's a resolution to the, by the way, for those who think it's going to be all gloom and doom, there's a resolution fairly quickly to what's gone on, though it still threads through. They go camping in the Pine Barrens, you know, the Jersey Devil. Well, there kind of is a Jersey Devil. They're from space. <laughs> They're aliens who show up every now and again. It's very, set up very much like a Friday the 13th movie. There's an old guy who warns them, "Don't, oh, you shouldn't go out there. Oh, <laughs> you, you guys, you're not from around here anyway. The relationship between Reed and Sue, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to favor you with any more readings, but as, as Sue stops the alien ship from taking off, does all this amazing stuff, and Reed says, I knew you'd all be safe because you're there. The relationships between these characters, the depth of feeling we get through this, as the issues go on, you see some of their old-time foes. There are some two Impossible Man issues with covers by Mike Allred, which is always fun. And we come to a conclusion, finally, in issue 30, as the Secret Wars stuff is really starting to pull into into play here, and it really starts to have not affect the book itself, but affects the story they're telling, because all of a sudden now there's this separation with Reed and Sue as that all starts to play itself out. And I, I don't know the history of it, but I really have the feeling the book was selling well, that that started to interfere with somebody who was telling a really great story. He said, my story's done. Mm -hmm. I'm maybe out of here. But they have an open house at the Baxter Building and invite all the old friends in, and we flash back to... Just before there, they're fantastic. And I'm not going to spoil the last page of the last year, except <laughs> to you guys, if you, unless, unless you don't want to see. <laughs> it's just something charming and wonderful. So, again, the first trade, which collects issues one to seven of Marvel Knights 4, has just come out. And if, in the absence of a real book on the stands, if you want to go back and now reread something you've probably not seen from 10 years ago, this is something to pick up. If people who've been listening to me yak about this, these characters and these books for so long, this is something to try. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think Joey Bracino talked about that a few uh, few years ago now. Like one of the first times he was on the show, he actually, I think he talked about that book. Um, so it's good to hear someone who loves Fantastic Four so much, loves it so much. Awesome. Um, all right. Stephanie, I did not forget about you. Don't worry. I know. Uh, um, but know. we had a good segue because Bob, Bob had started talking about Jeff, so I wanted to just let him roll on right into, <laughs> yeah. right into his book. Uh, Stephanie, you saw uh, Ant-Man. I did. And you weren't here last week to review it with us. Uh, so tell us about your experience seeing Ant-Man. Yeah, we decided that I would talk about this as my book of the week. <laughs> and I realized that it isn't a book, so please don't like mansplain what a book is to me on Twitter. <laughs> um... Movies. <laughs> the movie of Ant-Man. Mm -hmm. Ant-Man. The movie. Yes. Starring Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Um, I, I don't think I had a very high bar. Um, I think maybe all of us, to varying degrees, had the same sort of thing where it was like, well, we'll see this. But I don't know if we were like all like super excited. Like I was excited for the Edgar Wright one. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as excited for this. Like I felt like I was kind of betraying Edgar Wright by like... <laughs> wanting to be excited for this and uh -huh. i was like mm, what would we have had mm -hmm. you know um what what would this have been uh anyway so i went in kind of you know like <laughs> whatever. Girl, whatever you basically had the 
what I call is the arms crossed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Impress me. Yeah. You know, that kind of that <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. So when I say this, don't get me wrong. I love Paul Rudd being cap typecast as basically Paul Rudd in everything. <laughs> he is the exact same person in every movie. And he kind of is the exact same thing as he is in every other movie in Ant-Man. But it somehow works. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot of fun in this. I really enjoyed him playing uh, Scott. And I just thought that it was highly enjoyable. I loved um, the scenes, like the drunk history kind of scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and, which is like all I could think about when they were like, so a friend of a friend told me that this happened and like they got this information from the cleaner and mm-hmm. um, I died. I was just like laughing so hard at those scenes and then it made me want to go watch Drunk History. Mm. Um, but those were really great. They must have taken those. Like they must have got inspiration from Drunk History because I don't think I've ever really seen anyone do that before. Yeah, I know. It was, I, I thought it was an uh, I thought it was an Edgar Wright thing. Like that because it reminded me of the Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. But apparently it wasn't. It was the Adam McKay uh, ad when he did a rewrite oh. of the script. So that was all him adding that ah, stuff in. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did, how much did they keep of Edgar Wright stuff? They haven't said percentage wise exactly, but it must have been a. It had to be a significant amount to keep his name. In the screenwriter credits. That's not true. No, yeah, but no, because no, I mean, to, they can, they actually, because he worked on a draft, they're legally, they legally have to. No, they legally, it, it's, it's a percentage of how much they keep in the movie, because he had to go to arbitration um, to <laughs> see if his name would be in a screenwriter. So, oh, okay, yeah, so, separate it out to story, I guess, right? Um, yeah, could, yeah, they know? can, yeah, separate the story, but he was in, he had story credit and he had a screenwriting yeah. credit, so that means there was enough left of his actual script, because it's definitely because I've read the. Um, I forgot who it was. Uh, I can't remember their names right now. That uh, he did. They did a book about how to like how to sell out and make a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> the script writing book. It's the guys from Rio Nine One One who um, he also they wrote like Ninety Museum and stuff like that. And they talked about the writing credit and the percentage stuff for okay. that. So you had to do at least enough. I mean, it could. I think it might be, it might be like twenty percent, ten percent, something like that. It might not be that high of a number, but it's a certain number that his stuff stays in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna quickly say, skip ahead a couple minutes if you don't want me to say any spoilers for you. Um, just because I want to kind of mention a couple things. How um, spoiler are you going to get? Not like super spoilery. Okay. But like, for instance, um, like I kind of got irked a little bit at like how little they mentioned Janet. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of feel that was a lead up to maybe Ant-Man 2. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels um, like to me too. Now that they found uh, more information on the quantum zone mm-hmm. thing, uh, I felt like they were going to touch on what really happened with Janet there. But at the same time, I kind of wish that they had gone into um, that character a bit more because fundamentally she's a really big part of the Avengers and to get kind of reduced to <laughs> reduced yeah. um, to the role and like the like portions that she, you know, got in the film was kind of really abysmal. Mm. Um so I, I really do hope they touch on that. Um, that being said, I would also love for them to do like a fun mini series with Hank Pym and um, Janet Van Dyne, mm-hmm. like like Agent Carter style, mm, like the yeah. old school adventures. Yes, absolutely. I think that would be so much fun if they great. went and did that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be like perfect. Yeah. Um, I also somebody. Oh, yeah. 
So I don't know if you guys noticed, but or if you mentioned, but Hope the whole time had a little acorn necklace on. I did not know. No. I did not notice that. And like in uh, the Avengers, Scarlett Johansson had an arrow necklace on. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like the necklaces kind of weirdly allude to things. Mm. And now I really want there to be a, a Squirrel Girl movie. <laughs> oh. um, and then this great artist, uh, Raza, who is the one who um, kind of a lot of uh, the costumes seem to be based off of things that he's done like a year or two ago. <laughs> the DC costumes and such. Anyways, but he tweeted, um, if a world where an Ellie Kemper um, squirrel girl doesn't happen, I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God damn it. Now that's all I want. <laughs> Should um, be very he also good. suggested Kristen Shawl mm. for Squirrel Girl, which I'm like, God damn it. I want that too. <laughs> um, so as a sidebar to all that, uh, because of her necklace, it made me think that maybe... A Squirrel Girl movie's in the works. Well, uh, maybe. maybe she's in the universe in, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, um, I'd be really excited about. Yeah. Um, I thought Evangeline Lilly did a good job. Um, she obviously very much had the Janet look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish she had just been Janet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think that that was fun. I enjoyed um, Scott trying to learn how to use his powers. I liked the heart behind his story. And... Obviously, I think this was like a winner with everybody, but that scene where um, he's playing with like the train, well, not playing, he's doing the fight in the yeah. train set. Mm-hmm. I died. That was amazing. <laughs> I loved the perspective from the little girl just kind of watching it all and like lasers, like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> but like inside, it's like this really intense fight scene. Yeah. Um, and, you know, him, um, the Thomas the Tank Engine, mm. uh, <laughs> getting like, giant sized and just like <laughs> going out the window um i thought it was just a lot of fun um what's his name is like the worst villain ever it's like in the helicopter and he's just like i've got a gun burr, 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 burr. <laughs> oh, oh, i've killed all the pilots oh no <laughs> ah, what everyone's dead everyone's dead except for the person i met to shoot ah, guns that does happen that's, that's his like, line in it too that's yeah. his line in it I'm like, this is the worst. What were you thinking, dude? And then he's just like, ah, blah, blah, pew, pew, pew. He's like, a little cray cray. What are you doing? You've just crashed your freaking helicopter, dum-dum. You're not immortal. You're not goddamn Wolverine. Uh, he, spoilers, he survives. <laughs> um, although, like, Darwin Awards style, he probably should have died. I mean, mm-hmm. if you shoot your own pilot and then you shoot the co-pilot, I mean, I kind of feel like you deserve to die. Mm. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just a lot of fun. I went with um, my boy creature who has like no, like, and he hasn't seen like Captain America. I'm like, all right, so you're coming over this week. <laughs> we are watching all the Marvel movies. He's like, oh, well, the Winter Soldier is not the first Captain America movie. I'm like, no. You're making this hard for me. You're making this real hard for me. I just, like, it's over! I know. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, if he was like, eh, you know what? I have no interest in this. I'd be like, get out. Uh, but he's like, okay, okay. Where do we start? And I'm like, all right. That's, all right. The, that's the right attitude. That's the correct answer. That is yeah. the right attitude. Yeah. Please clear your schedule for the rest of the week. I'll be off at 530. <laughs> I wish the post, I, I really liked the post credit scene with Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole like it's about damn time. Yeah, I wish that she had been 
I wish that had kind of happened sooner. Mm, Obviously, right. it's all lead in for the next one. Yeah. But it could have used with some more, some more lady butt kicking. Yeah. I, but I agree. if you had done that as, as mm. her in the suit as part of the finale, mm. changes yeah. every, everyone's yeah. perception of what her character is. I, I think oh, Stephanie. Well, I, get it. I get that they were trying to, like, part of her staying safe and staying out of the firefight was part of her reconnecting with her father. So that was kind of story stuff for them. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like th- that could have been worked around. Yeah. And I think that you pretty much echoing kind of what we said on the show ourselves, which is that we really liked what was there a lot. There are things that we wish were there also, you know, but uh, what was there was very entertaining. I wish Ant-Man had kind of just been its own thing, like separate from like just a one-off. Just Marvel. It's real cool. Just give us some one shots. Just give us some things that don't necessarily tie. Like I would love for a Squirrel Girl movie to exist, and just for it to be like a really fun, all ages film Mm. that doesn't necessarily tie into anything. Although somebody, after I tweeted this, responded and said it'd be real cool if she showed up for like the next Avengers, and she was the one to kill or like destroy Thanos. Yes, (laughs) and I was like, okay, 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 (laughs) okay. I think I'm into that. Okay, and. It was it was fun to kind of like I think last time we talked about um the cinematic universe being a little like too much. I was wondering if people who hadn't seen um like everything would really get the movies. Mm-hmm. And Michael hasn't seen like obviously even Captain America. So he didn't appreciate like the post credit scenes like I did. Mm-hmm. Um but he really enjoyed Ant-Man. So it was it was nice to kind of like watch him watching it right. and kind of be like okay that's cool like kind of see how um you know the other side sees it yeah absolutely yeah. so for him it sort of is a one-off mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think yeah. there was enough in it that wasn't connected like there was like the little like kind of hints at things mm-hmm. especially with like the falcon like the falcon stuff was a lot of fun yeah um like please don't tell cap about this <laughs> yeah um, I thought that was really great and a really good use of Sam Wilson, although, you know, he wasn't in Avengers at all, bare, <laughs> basically. So, I mean, at least he got some screen time this year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I thought that was a lot of fun and, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, um, moving on, uh, my book of the week. Uh, so, I read a... Uh, the first issue, the digital first issue of uh, DC Comics Bombshells, which is uh, written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Marguerite Savage. Uh, and the story or the idea for the, the, the concept of the book spins off of these DC collectible figures that are these bombshell figures, these World War II uh, versions of, of these characters, mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, Rosie the Riveter type of, right. type of people, uh, type of look to them. And this issue in particular focuses on uh, Kate Kane, Batwoman who is both a major league baseball player and <laughs> a crime fighter. And I, I, you know, I, I, I've been seeing Marguerite talking about this stuff on, um, you know, on social media for a while. And I, I didn't realize that, you know, that it was coming out this week, obviously physically it'll come out probably in a month or so when, when it's, when these I think these first arc of three is collected. So I didn't even know it was hitting. And then I saw a tweet that, that mentioned it. And so I, I went on my iPad and, and I bought it, uh, on it's 99 cents on, on comiXology right now. Uh, so the idea of this book is that it's an alternate history where the, these f- female DC comics heroes basically fight in world war two 
to win World War II. And this first issue is not really concerned with that. It's more concerned with back home. Uh, and it sort of ends up this first little issue dealing with how the, the kind of larger um, picture will, will, will come into play. Uh, for this first issue, I will say that it was a ton of fun. It's very, very clever. It's, it's very snappy, very witty. It, it definitely has that 40s, 50s sort of movie dialogue vibe to, to, right. to, the, to, to, the, to the interactions with people. Uh, obviously, the baseball thing plays a, a role in it, so it does have a very kind of league of their own type of vibe to it, which is, is never a, a bad thing at all. And it's cool to see using Kate Kane in uh, this kind of context where, you know, her world is very sad for the most part and all of their incarnations that she was created by greg rocca uh it, it just sort of has been very dour for her and this still keeps you know some uh, uh some personal uh depth to it but it allows her to be kind of a more light hero uh because she not only when she plays baseball it's not kate kane playing baseball it's batwoman playing baseball oh. Uh, which is just there's a lot of puns happening just without even saying them. The fact that Batwoman is a is a baseball player is one of them. So really cool stuff. I really love the designs. It, it made me give me gave me this like uh oh feeling when I saw the Batwoman design because I was like I really want this figure. Like it's really cool. Yeah. The art style for these characters is amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's really awesome. And Marguerite Savage, I'll say too. Not only is the you know the line art and, and colors wonderful, she does both of them. Or I'm not sure how she might, it might be a painter. I don't I don't know exactly the style. Um, but the the panel layout is really beautiful, and I think that you know the, the digital first books have come a long way uh, in the years since they started because I think w- when they started they were very you know a function uh, over form in a lot of ways. And now I think they've really opened up to, to be uh, much more. They happen to be digital, but they have, you know, top flight artists, complicated layouts, interesting layouts. And, and I'm really excited that that's, that's the case w- with these books. It's just really, really well done. And, you know, there's some really interesting designs here. Uh, I, I love that in the first couple of pages, I think one of the hallmarks, right, of Batwoman series has been sort of her kind of, red and black kind of mm-hmm. shockingly standing out from the the rest of the color palette. And they play with that right in the beginning uh, of this story, kind of playing off of a very famous scene from a, you know, a very famous mm-hmm. hero and, and kind of turning it on its head. But then, you know, we go into these very bright, vivid colors at times um, and they kind of change up the way that Batwoman is painted against these things. And I just love this idea that, you know, she's, she's playing baseball these people come to rob the people in the stand, so she stops playing baseball and goes in and takes them out. Sure, and then and then you know finishes playing baseball, which which I think is great. Um, it was just a really enjoyable read. Uh, they do a great job as well with, um, you know, Maggie Sawyer is, is is a big part of the book as well. So their relationship is still front and center here, and it's just as mature and real and and but also as tender as 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 it ever was. And it's just a great place to read the character, and I think that. With no Batwoman series, you know, coming out right now, it's it's really nice to see her kind of back in the back in the fold again. Um, and I it, I do hope that sometime soon she gets uh, an, you know get another run with her because you know obviously it didn't end very strong, but I think that she's such a great character and she belongs. If if they're doing a solo book, she belongs as a major player in one of the, these books 
that are out here. Uh, but I think it's going to be a fun kind of Elseworlds story that uh, great writer. I think the art is beautiful, and I think it's something people should check out. I mean, if you have a, if you read anything digitally, ninety nine cents is nothing. So pick it up and, and check it out if you're any interest at all. That was great to hear. I pre ordered these physically, mm-hmm. so super. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really great. Really Looks great. gorgeous. Yeah, Stephanie, I recommend that that you read DC I'm Comics bombshells. Very excited. Yeah, it's 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 very good. I love the Wonder Woman design. I love the Supergirl design. We haven't even seen all of them, and. I'm not going to spoil who's on the last uh-huh. page of, of the book, but to see that this character in a design like this is just fantastic. That's cool. Yeah, it's really really awesome. They had a lot of those statues at the special edition. Mm. They were sitting on the. They're they're awesome. Yeah. I, I, again, I was I saw these. I was like, oh man, now I'm going to want to buy one of these statues. Get I've never bought money. a statue before. Get your money. <laughs> like a hundred bucks. You could be like Justin and his Batman shelves. Yeah, bombshells. <laughs> That's funny when these. Alternate covers came out. It was in the wake of a whole bunch of other oddball decisions on covers they were making. And it was, boy, we love these, but it looks as if this series is what gets rid of that butt. Mm. Which is a I, funny pun. But. Yes, it is. I didn't mean it that way, but as I start to say it, when I'm just going for it. Yeah. It really changes up the whole attitude about that. Mm-hmm. We now have characters with agency and mm-hmm. fun and no less heroism than they had in their regular incarnations yeah. and are all just in that wonderful period. And it's looking as if if you were, anyone was loving Agent Carter, mm-hmm. they're going to love this too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, by the way, Stephanie, I saw your doodle. Your do as Peggy says doodle and it's <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I did like uh, for the Secret Loves Kickstarter, I <laughs> drew 50 postcards. <laughs> um, so... Like, I don't know. I'm really enjoying drawing right now. And I have all these markers and all this um, all this art stuff from when I was in college. And, like, I have, like, all these, like, really expensive Prismacolors and all this stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy some, like, paper. And if anyone wants, they can, like, buy some of these doodles off of me. Because, I mean, I like doing them while I'm watching Netflix. But <laughs> and I, I have no room. I'll get rid of them. And... Yeah, so I had a lot of fun doing that Peggy Carter. I kind of learned how to do better eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They were fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had fun doing that last night. Don't change the mouths. The mouths are perfect. (laughs) Okay. I I know, like, Michael's like, yeah, you'll have to do a webcomic. I'm like, oh, God, no. (laughs) Don't make me draw things. (laughs) Um, Great idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But... I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it, Bob. Have you, seen, <laughs> have you seen Stephanie's uh, Kiki's Delivery Service? No. You should. You need to see that one. <laughs> I did it. I did like because I, I did so many sketches, and most of them I was actually pretty okay with. But um, I, I liked how my uh, son turned out from Princess Mononoke. She just looks real derpy. <laughs> <laughs> like she's got crazy eyes. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, the postcards are really cool. I'm really happy with them because I don't know if you guys, I told you, but like I have all these James Jean postcards and then I have all these like uh, um, romance postcards. They're like the from romance comics and stuff, like Young Love and all that stuff. So I have all the original covers as postcards and then DC vintage covers. So I used those for the Secret Loves thing. So they're getting like little doodles and they're getting cool postcards. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. All right, yeah, and that that Kickstarter is over now, but it like it blew its total out of the water really? so well. Yeah, we asked wow. for thirty seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, um, 
and wound up making 122,000. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's apparently yeah. the 15th most successful Kickstarter for comics. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, it did so, so good. I'm so proud. We did a panel last week. Um, it, the, the panel was fully attended. Like the room was packed and we spoke about our work and all these people came up and we're like, you were so great. You were so funny. I'm like, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks guys. Wow. Cool. <laughs> cool. Um, but I, I spoke about my story, which is done. Have I sent it to you guys? No, no. I sent it to Hugh. Hugh, if you're oh. listening, <laughs> you, you heard it or read it before these guys even. I'll send oh. it to you guys. All right, cool. You. you guys, I think, will laugh at the title at the very least. <laughs> um, well, but, I can't wait to read that, but I, I also I, I backed it, so I'm going to get my physical copy yeah. eventually. Yeah, nice. Um, um, these these Canadian Kickstarters, twelve dollars shipping to America. Wow. <laughs> get out yeah, of but here. to be fair, the price that you're paying is also cheaper. I know. I'm kidding. I'm totally of, kidding. I wouldn't have backed it if it was. <laughs> somebody at the last minute I sold all 50 postcards and then somebody backed out at the last minute so only 49 now I'm like you jerk <laughs> but that's okay because I messed up one of them anyways so <laughs> so there you go you would have gotten that one <laughs> <laughs> alright Bob your your shared book of the week is Lay it on us. from Boom Studios Boombox. Mm-hmm. It's number one of six of Power Up by Kate Leth and Matt Cummings, which is the illustrated by. So we're, I'm, again, don't know the technique, mm. but it is gorgeous. It, needless to say, it's kind of both easy and hard to explain what this <laughs> is about, so I'm just going to go from the first page and then uh, chime in later. And this lovely shot of a of a nebula and stars and so on and so forth. And there's this print here on the first page. When they first looked up and began to chart the scars, they predicted a star will die as another is born, and so will they be chosen. Four warriors to champion us into a new age, a time of peace, of strength, of celebration. In the oldest language, by the wisest hands, it was written, their math was a little off. (laughs) Uh, well, we have a, we have a young girl named Amy who's a disaffected twenty-something, I'm guessing, with just a ton of attitude. Kevin's a washed-up athlete, way past his prime. Sandy's a mother of two teenagers, and Silas is a goldfish, <laughs> just a normal goldfish. Amy seems to be one of those people that things just sort of happen to. But I don't think even she could imagine that a day's work in the rat's nest pet store could lead to magical shenanigans involving extra-dimensional beings, glimpses into other dimensions entirely, and a mystical battle with a goldfish as the tag team partner. (laughs) It is just an absolutely fun book. It's a lovely setup. A nice finale as we're sort of gathering the forces around with some of those characters we only see in, in the little bit. Amy's a very interesting character. She's very real and relatable. We all are Amy at some level. I definitely had this. So I'm not getting up this morning, and <laughs> let alone going to work. I'll get there eventually. Art, fabulously entertaining. Entertaining. I'm, I'm uh, reminded a little of Tom Zaller's Love and Capes. Really? Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, I am, Steve. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you may disagree. <laughs> but I, I found some of the, the charm in it. There are lovely little moments. Uh, the construction worker who compliments Amy on her hair, sort of points. It, it tumbleweeds wandering through the this sort of deserted pet store that no one's really voting, and Silas has pretty good moments considering he's a goldfish. I I was enthralled. 
who would like to go next? <laughs> I love it. Steve, what are you? I thought it was good. I thought it was. I thought it was cute. Um, you said it so der- derisively. No, I didn't. Thought mean it was to. cute. I, no, cute. <laughs> now listening to the echo in my head it did sound kind of <laughs> shitty. No. Um, one of my favorite things about it is the ridiculous expressiveness of the art. Um, story-wise, I it's one of those things where it's you know the opening uh, moments of like we're just getting to what the book may be about at the very end. So it's more of like a slice of life kind of book, but then this extraordinary thing happens that's going to change, you know, it's going from slice of life to f- fantasy and uh, and action and stuff like that. Um, like I said, I really, really enjoyed the art. I love the expressiveness in the eyes and in the faces. There's so many like little surprise moments that have kind of, um, not anime eyes, because they're, they're a little bit too big, well, no, anime eyes can be really big as well. <laughs> um, there's this one panel of Amy giving this kind of blank look after she goes to this rather extraordinary uh, moment in her her mundane day that she's having, and all of a sudden things you know take a turn towards the fantastic. And just the face that she has on cracks me up. Um, it's a Canadian. It's the creators are Canadian, so you can see the there's like the money is different is differently colored than damn American. straight right <laughs> and like the she draws way that makes sense no but it was cool because like i recognize that stuff now and she goes to look at the register and it's all the different types of money and i'm like hey i've got some of that in my wallet and they drop like the loonies and toonies on the on the counter and stuff like that and um i thought it was fun i i don't i don't know where it's going but it was one of those like breath of fresh air away from like the hard sci-fi and the hard kicking and punching and then i picked up power up and i'm like oh man like this is kind of like not saturday morning cartoon but more of like an adult swim kind of thing or um like bravest warriors or um what was that other book that you mentioned steph uh the one with the little blobby uh great warrior that's it that's it um yeah it reminded me in the vein of one of those i'm curious to see like who these other players are within the story. We meet a couple of people and I'm just, I'm wondering what's going to be the thing that brings them all together. They've all kind of done this, you know, three degrees of separation, Mm -hmm. seven degrees of separation thing already. Um, But how are they all connected if they're strangers? So we will have to find out, but I love on the cover. Oh man, I love the dude's outfit, the construction worker's oh, yeah, outfit. Great. It's amazing. It's perfect. I will keep reading it just to find out how he <laughs> lines up with that outfit. Uh, and the goldfish kind of reminds me a little bit of the goldfish from American Dad. I don't watch American Dad anymore. That makes me like this book less, and I like this book, because you just said that. Then let's edit it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't edit it on my brain, Steve. He's had some moments. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a fan of that I'm show kidding. either. Uh, Stephanie, what would you think? I really enjoyed it. Um I felt like this issue could have benefited from being a larger first issue um, because I just felt like it kind of abruptly cut off. Mm. Um, That's my only real gripe about it, though. I thought the art was fun. Um, I really enjoyed Kate's story. And it's been great seeing them be so excited for this book for a while on social media. So uh, I've been looking forward to it and it... It seems like exactly the kind of book that they were always meant to be on. Um, mm. 
I love the colors. I love the art. And I think the characters are great. And again, like, how, how can you say no to what I can only assume is a cosmic-powered goldfish? <laughs> With the power of a whale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in all goldfish is the heart of a whale. <laughs> <laughs> That should be on a T-shirt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. This week's Stephanie quotable is <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't have too much more to say about it. You know, like I read it today <laughs> because preparation, mm. um, and I just thought it was all of fun. I want to see what comes next. I think again, this could have benefited from being a bit longer, but you know, that's what a second issue is for, and a third, mm. and a fourth. And so on. That's the kind of deep criticism that we come for. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I actually agree with you, Stephanie, in a lot of your points. I think that the, I, I share a similar feeling with, I think, feel like the first issue, what is there is incredibly charming and, and well done. And there's funny moments that I, I think are, are great and it's adorable as well. But I feel like the first issue is lacking in, and Steve kind of echoed this as well, in just kind of showing us where the story is going. You know, it, uh, it it does feel abrupt in its ending. It feels like I don't know, I don't know what issue two is at, at this point. You know, I, I don't even see a direction mm-hmm. to, towards where we're going. Is this story of this girl versus this that like black tentacle faced guy, or is there something yeah. you know? And again, you don't want to give away the farm or anything like that, but you should feel as a reader that you you kind of you're propelled into that second issue. And, and I don't know if if I feel that from from this first issue. I, I will say uh, the illustrations by by Matt Cummings. I think that there's a level of cartooning here that is is is, is it's nice that that style uh, is able to live very very fruitfully in sort of these all ages type of books. Cause it, it's not really present as much in the, in, in the more superhero mm-hmm. stuff. There are some books here and there that, that employ it, but you know, this is truly like, it's truly cartooning. And, and I love that. I love that about it. I think the character designs are great because they are distinct. You know, the, everyone is incredibly distinct from, from, from the others. And th- they are, you never, you're never confused about who you're dealing with, who you're talking to characters much like, like all great animation. You get a lot of, character just from looking at the at the figures that, that, that you see and, and i really like that a lot i think that it's funny because the moment i took away most from it there's some awesome cool stuff there's this one double page spread that that's absolutely gorgeous yeah slash ridiculous um in, in the best yeah. ways but i think i took away from it and bob you mentioned it actually when you were talking about it is that one little moment with the construction worker where he points to his hair and then he gives her a thumbs up and he's saying like, i like your hair and she's kind of on a shitty day and that moment is like it's a nice moment for her. Yeah. You know, I didn't take it as that at all. What'd you th- what'd you take it as? I thought that he's like he's pointing to his hard hat and giving uh. her the thumbs up of like a almost like a premonition of like be careful. Oh no, he's he's saying like nice hair. Because she's kinda like, thank you. Like that's kind of what Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that it's just a very charming moment. It's and it's so for me it was so descriptive of the moment was happening. And it's very descriptive of that person. Because obviously, it's just a good person. Like, there's nothing to gain from saying, hey, nice hair, while she's driving away on a bus. You know, that that's, I think that's really, yep. it, it was a really great little character moment. And that's my favorite thing about the book are these little character moments that, that, that you get throughout it. And, you know, having, it, it's, it's, it's an easy kind of lazy comparison because I'm just reading Lumberjanes now. 
and it's a very different book. It's an incredibly different book, but the the level of personality is sort of is sort of similar, and, and that's a really nice thing to see that. You, these characters are so definable immediately. And Amy is someone, like you said, Bobby, I feel like I know her, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and at times we've all been Amy, but I also think I know someone who's just like Amy now. So that, that's nice to see that kind of stuff. And, and, and but to see it in such a, in a larger manner, it's, a, it's not, it's not a slice of life book. Obviously it's, it's kind of crazy yeah, yeah. and out there, but it's nice to see that at work here. Um, it, it, it's always, it always is favorable to me when you see the kind of work that would be kind of a great in animation, Mm-hmm. working great on the page and that's what i feel like here i feel like it, it has that similar vibe to it and it, it was very good i think it's gonna be a similar situation like lumberjanes where i will read it when it's collected together in yeah in lumps because i need my my thing with charm in books is i need that charm to come in like a condensed dose to keep my keep my attention from on, on a month to month basis is really kind of impossible so i need it to have just a quick dose of you know five six seven eight issues whatever the trade would be and just take it all in and take that story yeah, all I in. think this is a one of six one of six one of six okay so it'll be a perfect perfect little run I think yeah now when Mara was on we we picked this she was talking about this being a magical girl mm-hmm. sort of thing my knowledge of such things is extremely limited <laughs> so would this be something I'll throw it out to those who know more could someone who wants to ease into that sort of manga style use this as that entryway or is this too far afield from that no it's no it definitely applies sure i mean all the all the elements are there i mean i don't know i i would disagree okay i don't think that this is really manga-ish i think this is more stylized sort of comic in Mm. general like I don't think his art style is particularly manga-y, except for maybe, like, the big eyes. Right. Uh, that question, too, I mean, this is something I don't really know about. I know that Magical Girl is a genre of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of manga. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... Obviously, I'm guessing this means a girl with magic powers. It's a girl or boy. <laughs> okay. It's a regular situation. Okay. And then gets dealt with in a supernatural way, and then that yeah. oh, moves okay. on that way. So that sort of is... Yeah, yeah. I would more say along the lines of that if they if they enjoy Magical Girl anime and manga, that if they're looking to dive into comics, that this might be a good gateway. Mm-hmm. In uh, a story as, as sense. A, yeah, as, yeah. A, as opposed to Makes it sense. being like a, a direct Magical Girl mm-hmm. thing, uh, no. But mm-hmm. um, as far as you know, ushering them into something, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it may not be in that art style, but maybe in that story style, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, I think that's I think what I'm saying. Okay. And, uh, and there's another, Dark Horse uh, is coming out with another book too, which I can't remember the name of right now. It just slipped my brain. That's a, I know what it is, I know what it what is. What is it? It's uh, Force, Power, Force, Power. So you lied. Zodiac Star Force. Zodiac Star Force. That's what it's called. By (laughs) Kevin Panetta and Paulina uh, Ganeshow. Yes. Yes. Which I just got a review copy of today. And I'm very, 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 I know that, uh, I think, uh, I need that Faith Ever Next book from you. I think Maria, I don't have it. It's on, it's on a, it's talking to Stephanie. Oh. She got it on the neck galley thing. All right then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited, and I think Maria tweeted about. It. She read the review copy and she loved it. That uh, now I already forgot the name of the book. <laughs> Zodiac, Zodiac Power Star Force. Force, Star Bobby. Force, Zodiac Star Force. Sorry, so it was very good. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, let me let me head to Twitter here and see if I can find our listeners. Uh, Stephanie, you're going to be uh, assigning the book this week since you missed last week. Oh yeah. And you yeah, I, texted me the words, I got this. So I'm excited to hear what that means. Um, but <laughs> let, me, let me grab let me grab. <laughs> Do you goodness. want me to say now while you're finding Twitter? No, I got it. I got it. I just got it up. Oh, great. We'll yeah. get it together then. <laughs> so this is Maria Norris says, uh, 
This starts with adds thousands of happy Sailor Moon gifts. Uh, power up is awesome. Everything I love and want in a comic. More please. Uh, Hugh Perry H underscore Paz says heaps of fun for everyone. Great art and colors with the makings of a cool story. I'm in. Uh, Mike D, who's superhero chef, says gonna pick up the next issue of Power Up. The mysterious origin was not enough, uh, but I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, Mike, who's at Liberal Bastion, says Power Up wasn't really my thing. Seems more of a kids uh, kids book than an all ages book. Not enough substance. Um, Music City Comics says Power Up was was an origin story that didn't use overdone exposition and was just all around fun comic to read and look at. Uh, Jason Dunn says, not really sure what the heck I just read, but for some reason, the art style reminded me of Speed Racer. Uh, I could see that. So yeah, those were our reactions from our, from, from our peeps. Sweet. Thank you so much for, for writing in with hashtag TCBOTW. And you can use the hashtag next week when Stephanie assigns... Lobster Johnson, a chain forged in life. A one-shot. <laughs> nice. A one-shot. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so written by Mike Mignola with mm-hmm. art by Troy Nixie. And this is this is the summary. Santa was taken hostage after witnessing a hostile robbery and a man's death. Hidden away in a mountain cabin. Will a lobster be able to find Santa and save Christmas <laughs> in July? That part's not there. <laughs> but, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I have, what we're doing. I, I have never read any Lobster Johnson. Me neither, but I do love the Hellboy universe. <laughs> yeah, and I love lobster. Well, yeah, lobster is delicious. That's that's goes without saying. Goes without saying. <laughs> Steve does I not like lobster because he's a crazy person. Nope. Wow. But this is a one shot, so I figured we haven't done a lot of one shots. No, I don't no. think we haven't done any actually for this. So, so that works. I feel like it'll be a good um, introduction. It's three fifty. It's mm. Mike Mignola, so I mean. Come on, it'll be good. Yeah, definitely. It'll be good. I am excited. Yeah, yeah. Dark Horse, guys. Yeah, very excited. Lobster Johnson. Lobster Johnson. It's one of the best comic book names ever. It's a great name. It is. Have I mentioned that it involves Santa being taken hostage? You did mention that. They call me Lobster yeah. Johnson. <laughs> so should I also watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, or should we watch... You should. Yeah, I feel you know. like you should prepare, and then also maybe watch um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I want? I want an extended version of that Christmas movie from Scrooged. The one when, when Santa has <laughs> yeah. all the guns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. With Lee Major. That's a good one. It would be amazing. <laughs> Somebody just do like a 20-minute version of that. So well, good. So, uh, if we're, you know, we're doing the, the checklist, Santa last appeared in uh, Captain Marvel 10 or whatever. <laughs> what was the thing that they knocked on the door and like, Mrs. Claus opens it? She pulls out a shotgun from beneath her dress and just blows him away. I don't remember that one. Me neither. Maybe that's the movie I'm wanting in my head. My, my computer's speaking to me. Yeah, what is that? Well, I don't know why it's speaking to me. Oh, it was a pop-up ad. <gasps> I hate those. Computer. Pop-up ads. You, you just... I hate pop-up ads on my me. phone when you can't find how to close them. And then you're trying to scroll to find where it is, and it just won't move. Mm-hmm. And it opens up like the app store, and then yeah, it goes to a, fr- a fresh tab, and then yeah. you have to. Ugh, it's uh, bad. I've been fighting lately with. I sh- we shouldn't. I, I I love the site CBR. Mm-hmm. They are now filled with more ads than ever, <laughs> and ones you have to sit there and look at. You can skip this ad in five seconds. I'm sick of looking at Steve Jobs's face. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you go to an article. All of them have video content that it's got nothing to do with the article. There's mm-hmm. just some ad they want to stick in that now my computer is trying to decide whether well, it want to go. Should it? 
No, stop. I, I don't want to look at Geico. I really don't. I just want to read this article. Speaking of ads, did anybody notice that the Twix ad was only in one month's worth of issues and now it's not there anymore? I did not mm-hmm. notice that. Specifically, but I did notice when I was reading books this week that it wasn't there. So what do we think happened with that? Um, well, I mean, two things. Either they pulled them all because they don't, they're all the bad press, or B, mm-hmm. they just, I mean, I, I mean, Twix is not going to advertise them forever, so there's going to be somebody else that, that, that buys them. Yeah. Um, but maybe they just decided it was more trouble than it was worth. Okay. I don't know. Slink back into they the shadows. No one so said anything. Maybe when Nick Lachey shows up next month. Yeah. Just like, you know, yeah, we're going to rake in all this <laughs> new revenue, and then the whole internet turn, you know, is a- ablaze, and they're like, whoop. Uh, it did work. It, the only issue I think it worked well in was that Secret Six issue. <laughs> Who was having weird sex on the couch, and they're all looking down at Nick Lachey, <laughs> the ad below them? It's pretty funny. Yeah. So, Bob, what are the two books you're buying this week? Batgirl. Okay. And the Batgirl Annual. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a red song. What about Sabrina? The, Yes, uh, but my story isn't getting Sabrina, so I've got to make uh, tracks for make androids. For, yeah. yeah, Sabrina number four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excited about that. Yep. Very excited about that. Uh, i got to track down that back issue of uh, Silver Surfer, the, the first yes. last days. And what about um, Star Trek Green Lantern? I'm probably not going to get that. <laughs> but Bob. It's not It's not my Star Trek. I remember when I was in the it's store. It's the Chris Pine Chris Star Pines, Trek. Chris, I, I wasn't oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't, I didn't oh, know. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I That's okay. <laughs> Bob's crying now. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm real sorry. <laughs> no, I get a fix of Star Trek every couple of months mm-hmm. from the photo novels. They're so. pretty regular, right? Yeah. Yeah. They seem to be pretty regular. Bi-monthly. Yeah. That's good. That's nice. Hmm. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, uh, at Talking Comics, remember, if you want to read the, the book of the week, which is Lobster Johnson, it's the one shot from, from Dark Horse, use the hashtag TCBOTW to leave your thoughts. You don't even have to at message us in order for us to find it. If you only just use that hashtag, we will find it. So you can save some characters if you have more, yeah. more, you, want, more you want to say. Um, or more like lobster emojis. You want to exactly. Do they have those? I think so. I'm going to check. You're gonna check with, with the with the yeah. claws going. There in is there? a real time emoji tracker for Twitter that <laughs> updates in real time how many of a kind of a certain kind of emoji is used. Wow. Yes. When are we gonna get a dinosaur emoji? There's no dinosaur emojis. No. There's a there's a severed dragon head on a silver platter, there's but a there's pigeon. no <laughs> a pigeon. <laughs> well, that's like a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah according to that very, scientist. Yes. Very um, fancy poodle. Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TalkingComicBooks.com is where you can get all your hot emoji news. Um, There's no lobster. As well as... It's an outrage. There should be a crab, at least. Yeah. As well as reviews and articles and all of our podcasts, including The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, uh, Melissa Megan, Mara Wood, and Maria Norris is now a regular host, right? Yeah, we have... I mean, she was like a misfit at heart, Mm -hmm. but now she's a misfit for real. Wow. Um, She's becoming a full-time member of The Misfits um, starting next week. So obviously she is on a different uh, in a different time zone than us. So it's basically as we can kind of work out our schedules. But um, we're happy to have her as part of the missits. That is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, of course, we have Talking Movies, Brian Verros and Nick Scalia and Chris Oliphant. Um, they did. They're doing a series of uh, movies starring the people who wrote them. So they did. 
they did the new movie train wreck with amy schumer uh last week they did bottle rocket this week which is um written by owen wilson and owen wilson is is obviously a star in it wow that's pretty good have you seen that video yeah it's amazing <laughs> so check that podcast out uh, talking valiant with adam shaw uh of course we have uh talking games steve say <laughs> Um, Justin Townsend, uh, Jackie Turner, and I don't know Bob's last name. Oh, I went through this last week. I thought it was Gold. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's okay. North. Okay, Bobby North. Bobby North. Yep. It's like a movie star name. Yeah, it is. It sounds like a video game voice actor. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we got Bobby North to come and do the voice for so and so. Like, oh man. <laughs> uh, so cool. Uh, I know that. Part of it will be the Arkham Knight spoiler cast. A lot of it's going to be that for me because that's all I've played this Uh, week. Which Uh, I will be there for. 95.6% is where I'm at right now, but I have over 100 Riddler trophies to find before I get to 100. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. There's 243 of those. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that that will be on on Talking Games this week. Um, I'm in Comics and Coffee every Friday live uh, with myself and Nikki Alfaro. Uh, Nikki won't be on this week, so I got to find co-host. Why not? Hmm. Uh, I forgot what she said. She said last week, though. I don't know. It's probably none of my business. It was really <laughs> For anybody else's, for that matter. Well, it wasn't a super personal thing, but she just couldn't couldn't be here. Um, family thing or something. Uh, so, yeah. So, But I, I, will, I will be here holding down the ship, I'm sure, with a worthy co-host. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's all the, the promoing I have to do <laughs> for, for the Talking Comics uh, website. Uh, if you want to follow us personally on Twitter, I'm at Bobby Shortle. Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at hello cookie. Bob? Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. I have something I want to throw into the mix here. Okay. Sure. Oh, right. You're full. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to put a poll out there. I don't know how we... We'll, the, the technicalities... We'll, we'll, we can, we can on, do it. Put, go, we, we'll we, find we, some way to do this. Yes. We have a poll. We have, there's, there's a there's system. A, there's a poll. Yeah. So I've been reaching out to some of the people I correspond to via email and my, my boss at work, who's a comic book fan, and it's regarding the upcoming Fantastic Four movie, which you've all heard me vehemently vehemently thrash before having seen it and my uh, adamant feelings about not not supporting it by putting some money out there i also feel that as the person with the most history with this book as you heard me talk about tonight that is is at some level my responsibility to bring my history of the book to bear in terms of reviewing this movie and how it plays up that however I'm now conflicted because I don't want to give them two cents of my money to do that. So, I have a gift card that I got for Christmas to the movie theater. So, my question for the poll is, if I use somebody else's money to go see this movie I don't want to see with my own, so I can provide you folks with some news, am I in fact a sellout? That's our poll for tonight. All right. We can do that, Pop. Okay. We have the technology to make a poll in the We can the make them better. Yeah. Stephanie. What if everyone else pays for it? <laughs> it's the same. Issue. Am yeah. I still selling out with selling other out. people's money? Yeah. Stephanie, right. is this you in this this thing that you sent me just now? Yes. You got it. How can we put? We need to share that with everybody. He, she can put it in the post if she wants. Oh my god! <laughs> it's. Are you in like a Toys R Us? Where are you? She looks like she's like in a Michaels or something. I'm in Target. Target. Okay. That, that, is amazing. that is amazing. <laughs> You'll see it in the post. <laughs> or maybe that should be on next week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Wow. Bob. It is It is over. And Stephanie. 
Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>